Molly, did you know that John's bladder holds about a liter of pee? I do now. There you go. This is knowledge that I've definitely wanted to ask him about. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, I got to finally find out. It's a lot of pee. All right, is we're it? good. Is it? It's yeah. like a half of a one liter. I get duh. Jesus Christ, I'm an idiot. No, it's tw- it's twice a it's twice a half liter. It's twice <laughs> half of a one liter. <laughs> I don't think you're getting the math quite right. How there, many Molly. scoops are in half a box of raisin bran? <laughs> It's again, it's the SoxCast, episode 12.2, and this is our very special The Last of Us spoiler cast. So, if you've got any intentions on wanting to play that game, or you're playing it and haven't finished it, uh, you might want to do that uh, before listening to this. My wife made a dick cake. You did a what? (laughs) My wife made a dick cake today. Please define dick cake. All right, all right, okay. So my wife is a Spanish major at our college. I am quite affluent in Spanish myself. Well, there you go. Excellent. And she is um, taking a Spanish medical interpretation class, you know, for, just for shits and giggles. And, just for uh, dicks and giggles. Yes, for dicks and giggles. And so it turns out that she and another girl showed up late one day to class when they were assigning body part projects. Oh, where everyone was no. going to do a presentation on, like, um, the brain, the heart, um, legs, whatever. And they showed up late, and there were two slots left, both for the same organ system, and it was the penis. So they were forced to sign up to do a presentation on the penis for this class of um, 50 kids. Um, well, 50 adults, I guess. I guess, we're, I guess we're college students now, so 50 adults. You're still uh, kids to me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so she got the idea to make it, it inquir- required some interactive activity in addition to a lecture about dicks and their slang, all Spanish slang words for dick was something that she needed to go over for the lecture. And for the interactive component, um, the other person put together a ball which was covered in questions about dicks that she could throw into the audience and wherever their thumb landed, they would have to ask that question about dicks in Spanish medicine. And that was her partner's contribution. And Anna made an anatomically correct dick cake. Not so much because, not a cake that was shaped like a dick, but a sheet cake that had an anatomical cross-section of a penis on it Labeled with a bunch of little tiny toothpick flags with the with the correct um, medical Spanish terms for each section of the penis. And I'm, today, I'm stunned. And she and the teacher loved it and said that it was the most creative assignment she'd ever had in her class. <laughs> and all the other students enjoyed eating the dick cake. And we have lots of leftover dick cake too. Had a little bit before the podcast. It's delicious. You see you've got a lot of dick in your stomach. You've gnawed down on it pretty heartily. You are ready to fucking go. Full of dick take. And All I took a nap. Dick I'm cake. just feeling great. He had so much dick, he needed a nap. 
there you go. All right. So, so that's um, the story of the date cake. And that's this leads directly <laughs> into talking about Last of Us for obvious reasons. Yeah, this is very related. Um, mm-hmm. But as I was saying, this is your final warning because we're going to start spoiling shit a lot. M- probably more towards, you know, the middle ladder portion of the podcast. But I, I take no responsibility for your, um, you know exposure to the last of us spoilers because i've given you enough warning asshole turn it off right now if you don't want to hear it (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure nobody wants to have the disco scene spoiled for them no you played the game you know what i'm talking about. that is way that's going to be emotional and hard for us to talk about as it is but to have that impact uh stripped away carelessly by your own carelessness Mm -hmm. that would be terrible so to my immediate virtual right He's super bummed that today is not the podcast where we talk about Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 1. It's Rhett. Hi. How you doing, Rhett? What the fuck did that story have to do with The Last of Us? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody didn't pay attention to The Last of Us, clearly. Yeah, I don't think he was really... Oh, you weren't paying attention to the the more subtle nuances and the subtext and the symbolism. It's all Mm. about dicks and masturbation, Rhett. Was it the part where you find out that the dick cake is a lie? And to my immediate virtual left, today is the greatest day he's ever known. But then again, every day is the greatest day he's ever known. It's John Thire. Hi. Mouth full of dick over there. I feel really nice. You just, you, you usually a, do after. I played a really nice video game, and I just feel. Abort, abort other podcast. That's mm-hmm. another podcast. We're here to yeah. talk about dick today. Or, mm-hmm. or, last wait, of Us the is last a of us. really the nice of video game. <laughs> yeah, the game, the, this is a game full of really nice imagery. Mm-hmm. Happy, happy feelings. Happy feelings all around. Yeah. Well, it's it's a rough ride, but I feel like the cathartic conclusion where everything is brought together and a nice emotionally satisfying resolution just kind of makes it all worth it, you know? And on the hamper seat, he's back with a vengeance. He is the man in the front with a sinister grin careening down Highway 666. It's Boner. He said rough ride. <laughs> We're not getting away from that, are we? So you know that you have to buy the iToy and then get the DLC where you bake a dick cake for uh, one of the fictional characters and share it with them. That's how dick cake ties into <laughs> The Last of Us. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to get that. <laughs> they're our audience. I'm sure that they are dorky enough to get that. You have to take a photo I, I, and tweet it to Neil Druckmann. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can get that trophy on uh, on the PS3. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's everybody doing today? You guys Fantastic. doing alright? You ready to podcast eh, now? I'm feeling pretty blah. <laughs> whatever, I'll do this podcast, I guess. Alright. So, I'm gonna just jump right into things. The Last of Us, Naughty Dogs, I'm just gonna call it the PS3 swan song because I don't think that, you know, the PS3 is going to see another title of that quality. Um, so, um, th- this game was like sort of originally announced at the Spike VGAs as sort of just like this teaser of, oh, hey, look, Naughty Dogs doing a thing and it's called The Last of Us and they didn't really. Uh, say much about it, and we didn't really get to see much of it until um, later in the next year when E3 rolled around, um, where they rolled out, it was 
a pretty action-intensive trailer, um, which um, I-, I think we can all agree is not very representative of the final product, but we can probably all agree that, like, it. how do you make, like, a slow, methodical game like The Last of Us play at a trade show like that? Um, but um, do, do any of you guys have, like, any sort of, like, first opinions on when you saw, like, what they were trying to do with this game? Because, like, the sort of the buzz around it when that trailer was first released and screened, it was sort of a big thing of E3 in 2012, where there was just, like, this gratuitous amount of just violence and gore all over the place and you saw articles about it for quite a few weeks afterward and the last of us was like you know dude getting his face blown off with a shotgun at point blank range yeah that's what i was gonna ask if this was that trailer this was that trailer yeah and it was just like oh my god that's that's really graphic but i I mean i think that we can all agree now that like in context of that game that that sort of scene makes sense Mm-hmm. Uh, with its, you know, brutality. But um, I, I guess in terms of, like, what you were familiar with from Naughty Dog at that point or, you know, where you were looking at sort of in the AAA game sphere, uh, what did everybody sort of think about that, that trailer and its debut? And was it anything that blew up your skirt or not? Or were you just not immediately interested? Uh, I guess um, I'll start. Sure. Sorry. Uh, I hadn't played anything by Naughty Dog at that point, I didn't even have a PS3, but I just remember them talking about, like, I think they were showing off, like, the hotel section where there's a lot of enemy dudes, and they're talking about how you can try to sneak by them and get through the section unheard and not have to fight, or, like, you could scavenge and kill everybody and but possibly get more materials that way. And I did think that kind of open-ended approach sounded really neat. And then... Obviously, in the trailer, they end up fighting and then blasting a guy's face off with a shotgun. And people were just like, holy shit, like, what an... Not only were they holy shit, but then they freakishly applauded it. There was just this freakish applause that E3, anytime something gross happened, like, I remember some God of War thing where, like, a dude got their brain pulled out or something, and (laughs) it was just like, yeah, brains, awesome! And it was just like, whoa, where are we as a society right now? So, uh, John, initial impressions? Um, I remember hearing about the gross, um, that gross shit. Um, as far as the whole AAA game sphere, I basically just didn't really pay attention, and the only time last of us really came onto my radar was hearing a bunch of people i really i respected talk about how great it was <laughs> and then i planned on playing it like six months later which is what i wound up doing that's basically the the same thing that happened to me i saw it winning a lot of game of the year awards and stuff and it's like you know I, I don't think i can ignore this game anymore uh you know I, as much as i wanted to because oh boy zombies great another one of these you know in, mm-hmm. in, in a market where it's just like you got a new zombie game coming out every two and a half hours <laughs> uh, so boner did you have any first impressions from that trailer or any of the like announce hype so i kind of missed all that initial hype um when i was first aware of the game they had posted some stills like of the rendered environments um looking back on it i doubt they were rendered in engine so there it was probably just some pre-rendered promos um and i was like wow this looks kind of pretty but i didn't really think about what the game 
was um, I, I guess in the back of my mind, I kind of figured it was going to be like more of a methodically paced um, exploration type thing, which um, once you take two consider- seconds to consider that, it's like really dumb to think that a triple A game would do anything like that. So <laughs> after that, I probably just wrote it off as a dumb zombie game in my mind, like Daisy or uh, Dead Island or whatever, until I heard um, some uh, podcast uh, hype talking about it. Closer to when review copies came out, um, then it was like, oh, okay, so this is a stealth action game with dumb zombies, but um, it one that really tells the story and is kind of uh, kind of different in that regard. Cool, cool. Um, I basically, you know, like I said, I fall in line with uh, sort of the same mentality uh, with John as you know as that. Like I heard a lot of people talking about it, you know, people that I you know, whose opinions I respected and people who I thought wouldn't like that game. Uh, you know, being like, oh, no, this game's really great. You know, it's it's a game of the generation, clearly. Um, <clears throat> so, um... Can I just... One other thing? Absolutely. I, I didn't realize it was a zombie game until after it came out. And when I heard that, I was just like, wait, really? Like, shocked. Like, I yeah, had no the, idea. Yeah, <laughs> the... I don't think a lot of the zombie stuff really got shown um, until, like, months after the E3 trailer. Because I don't think that, like, there was much, if any... Um, like infected presence uh, in the E3 yeah. trailer at all. It was just like them running around shooting dudes. Yeah, and like you know Ellie beating up dudes with fucking melee Too weapons bad. and shit. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wow, it's fucking brutal. Uh, so, um, I'm gonna. Th- I-, I think like let's see who who probably played this game first, John or Boner. I I bought it the week it came out. Did you play through it then, or did you just sort of? Uh... Uh, yeah, I was pretty. I was pretty quick to follow through that game <laughs> in its entirety. Okay, um, so uh, your first time setting down with the game. Uh, what were your initial thoughts as it started to wash over you, and what this game was? So I had already heard about it, talked about on uh, the Vigi Game Apocalypse uh, podcast, and so yeah, it is a stealth action game where. You you kind of you kind of have some leeway to approach uh, stealth segments as you want to, but it's not like say a Metal Gear, which exactly rewards you um, by an invisible scoring system for not getting into encounters. Um, those rewards probably are more like more like in a survival horror type motif, where you know it'll take a toll on your health or the uh, ammunition or items that you uh, have available to you. Um, and the way I heard that podcast put it is that um, they wanted to uh, kill everybody they could in every map because Joel is such a <laughs> bastard. They felt like that's what made the most sense for the character. So when I played it, I, I did also find myself, you know, if if not getting into a lot of firefights, at least choking out everybody I could find as they, you know, strayed away from the bigger herd on their <laughs> patrol route, as it were. And the combat is just so brutal once you get into it. It's not it's not a very deep system, um, you know, versus like meleeing guys and choking them out. But it's with how realistic the animations are and just how much impact everything has. It's really just satisfying to like you know break a guy in the face and then uh, you hit the triangle prompt to throw him on the ground and just like stomp on his head. It's, oh man, it's so, mm. it's, it's visceral <laughs> and strangely satisfying to like pull off shit like that. So you were pretty on board, like from the first, like from, the, from the moment you hit start, like this game immediately grabbed you. 
Uh, yeah, at, at first. And then the game slows down a little bit after that initial um, rush because you are thrown with quite a few um, uh, encounters with human enemies uh, early on in the game. And and then it kind of turns into, uh, okay, uh, we got to get from point A to point B, and it's a lot of uh, puzzles, it's a lot of environment-based puzzles, and a lot of times you just want to explore around because the game's so pretty, and it's one of those things where the, the world went to shit, and you want to see what kind of world we're living in now. And being a story-driven game like it is, it's kind of herds you from one area to the other. I mean, sure, you're rewarded for uh, looking around for items, but... Most of the times, you're just like on a straight um, rail to the next uh, point to point. So at the time, I kind of faulted the game for um, not giving that exploration more. But uh, thinking back on it, as as I realize now that I was probably wanting it to be something that it never set out to be, because it is a really cinematic and focused experience. And um, Maybe playing it on a second playthrough, I appreciate more some of the things they did with environments, even if the environments are a little um, walled garden, as we say, because they're really nice to look at, but you, you really are just going down a down a rail for the most part. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and to that point of just, like, like uh, the environments and how awesome they look and how gorgeous they are, um, I said it about uh, Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, and that <clears throat> it's the kind of environment that looks like, you know, like, Mother Nature's taking shit back. You know, it's just like everything's just overgrown now, and it's just like, you know, it's it, it's one of the best sort of, like, post-apocalyptic kind of worlds I think I've ever seen in a game. Yeah, and I realize now that, like, <laughs> there's another game that, would, that kind of um, fits that motif where I'd want, where it is like a place where society's ruined and you have free reign to explore around. And it's also just kind of a very hostile game where you're being assaulted on all sides and um you don't you don't gain power through leveling up really it's mostly based on all the items you find and that is the uh, the stalker series uh like shadow of shadow of chernobyl and call of pripyat uh but that being like an open world game and this being a, a focused uh narrative they um you <laughs> You they're really, like, they're, they're like yeah. two different. They're two different things, but they're sort of they've sort of got the same theme. Exactly, they're two sides of the same coin. They're trying to tell a whole different type of gameplay experience with with a similar framework uh, environmentally and um, in with the kind of atmosphere that it sets up. Cool, cool. And uh, I think John probably played the game next. So, John, the first time you sat down with the game, what were your thoughts? Um, well, I was immediately blown away by the, um, by the, just the title screen. <laughs> Can we take a minute and appreciate that how, like, really nicely classy... Done. It's a classy-ass title screen. Mm-hmm. That's mysterious. Yeah. I feel like Last of Us is a classy video game, and I feel like that's something that can be kind of lacking in that particular, in that, its particular sphere. Yeah. So, the fact that it just immediately filled me it just all that just immediately hit me like the big 20 minute introduction where you're just kind of walking around the house your your house as the teenage daughter and just the way all of that unfolds is just just really well presented it's paced and grabs you in a way that like because it seems like so like you know things are going to go to shit at some point 
mm-hmm. but you don't fucking know when. And it's just like, you've got that weird, like, you know, like anticipatory. That's not a word, but I'm going to use it. It uh, isn't? I don't know. Is anticipatory <laughs> a word? Sounds right. All right. Well, you've got that, you know, impulse in the back of your mind. It's just like, you're overthinking it. I was like, all right, this is where it's going to go to shit. Okay, no, I guess not. Okay, this mm-hmm. is where it's going to go to shit. And then it's just like, oh, huh. Mm-hmm. You want to know my impression of Last of Us kind of overall, kind of overall and also just focused on that beginning bit? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Last of Us is the promise of Half-Life 2 fulfilled. Damn. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I, I find myself agreeing with that. Hell no. Because I, I totally agree. Half-Life 2 is basically structured almost identically to The Last of Us. It's, um, it has a bunch of, it just kind of keeps you on rails, but in like classy, subtle ways where it doesn't, you don't really feel necessarily that you're being walled into a certain place. I, when I'm playing a Half-Life game, I feel like I progress from place to place pretty naturally. And I like the linear structure because again, it gives it, um, kind of propulsive flow. Pacing. And, um, yeah, a really nice sense of pacing. And also the thing about Half-Life 2 is I think that that's also a very classily presented video game. It has, like, lip sync that works, um, models uh, models that don't look completely uncanny, and actual voice acting that's, like, professional, and it doesn't feel insulting um, in how it's presented. And the difference is that, like, Last of Us, from beginning to end has like this really, really meaningful story and characterization to back that up in yeah. comparison to something like a Half Life game. Where the story and that's is what just I'm, where the story in Half Life is just gobbledygook. It doesn't really live up to the promise of the presentation, I think. And in Last of Us, the story definitely does live up to the quality of the presentation. It's not a mere sheen over a pile of poop. It is not, not necessarily that Half-Life is a pile of poop, but um, it is good all the way through. And the fact that it can deliver on that sheen is really impressive to me. I just want to say something on that note. I feel like as how refined uh, visually The Last of Us is, that some of the more uh, video gamey elements of progression uh, stand out that much more. So usually... Um, looking back to the first Half-Life, which, um, you know, for the time was pretty groundbreaking, but not a perfect game. A lot of those areas mm-hmm. um, felt like you were organically moving from one to the other. But I find that in The Last of Us, the, a lot of times when you move to a new area, it's you drop off a ledge that you can't go back up. So you can't go back. It's like here is a mm, this is you were on that level. Now you're on this level. And dropping off the ledge part isn't so much of a problem. But the times when the game makes no narrative context to it whatsoever it's like you just went through a door and now it's locked for no apparent reason uh, those kind of things kind mm-hmm. of threw me back especially when you went to a, a new area and like a whole big not even like cutscene or in-engine thing but just like something that plays out in the engine while you still have control of your character happens and then mm-hmm. I turned around expecting the door to be locked and it wasn't and I'm like okay so how much farther can I really go back I mean there, there, there actually were times um, in my second playthrough uh, leading up to this podcast where 
the auto saving fucked me because I went past a point and then there was that in engine cutscene and the door I just went through became locked. I was like, but no, I, I know I missed a bunch of like salvage items back there. Yeah, and, you and just go back. The loading zone just locked your ass out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with Having that, some cr- a, a critic that um, Reach showed me, Matthew Matosis on YouTube, did a big long video on Last of Us, and his big thing was that he felt. His big critique was that he felt a lot of those kind of jarring moments that took him out of the experience in that way that clashes with the otherwise really classy presentation. Yeah. Having just played Uncharted 2 and 3, like, that's definitely a thing they kind of do, like, the dropping off a ledge mm-hmm. to load, hide a load zone or something. Yeah. Which does kind of suck. And then tons of boost me ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in all those games. <laughs> yeah. Boost me up. For the most part, I feel. On, for the up. most part, that I will just say that that wasn't really my experience. I didn't really feel limited or um, like the presentation was um, deliberately cutting me off in classless ways. For the most part, but that's just my experience, and I think it's absolutely valid to have taken issue with more of those things. So, Rhett, how was The Last of Us? How did it treat you the first time you started playing it? Uh, hmm, I thought we were going to do you next, because... Okay, well, like, we can... we can, Sorry. You, baby, you can do me all you want. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll do me first, <clears throat> while you collect your thoughts. My my thoughts pretty much are a good combination of the things uh, Boner was talking about and the things John was talking about. Um, like, I, I can definitely see the Half-Life comparison he made there, and, and, and how both games set you up for what's going to happen in a very similar way with this sort of calm before the storm and then the storm happens and then you know you've got your pacing you know up and down uh through the rest of the way but uh my first few hours with the game were were sort of like trying to keep myself i guess i i i'd heard so much you know positivity about the game you know in the couple of years since its release that it was trying to keep my head level um, because, you know, you hear so much about people like, oh, my God, this is the best intro to a game ever uh, and things like that. You know, and I wanted to try and keep my thoughts in check because it was like, you know, while I-, I was blown away, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just saying, you know, oh, this blew me away just because everybody else said it did. You know, I had to sort of stop and think a few times. I was just like, was that really awesome or is that just what I have sort of, you know, found myself being told and I'm just spitting it back out. So it took me a while to sort of settle into the game and be comfortable with my own thoughts on it because I wasn't sure I was having my own thoughts if that's if that makes any kind of sense. That's that, like, that initial press was really positive and um I, I don't know if any of you read my Tumblr review that came out um shortly after I finished the game but I was I was pretty scathing <laughs> yes. on it. And my opinions have softened somewhat but I was just like, I, I'm really not seeing a whole lot of reviews in the mainstream game journalism that, that are really like taking this game to task for some of its more uncanny valley elements or things that maybe you know, bring bring the whole experience down. Right. Um, it, it was it was like, and this was this was a little before Bioshock Infinite or around the same time, but uh, that was another game that just got like so much praise heaped on it. And it's just like, sometimes you're just grasping for a dissenting opinion, especially if like you, you see everybody else around it, liking it, everyone else liking it around you, but it doesn't necessarily blow your skirt up quite as much. And you're wondering if they just all kind of get sucked into that hype hurricane. 
I think so, with the gaming journals, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the fact that this game came out the same year as Bioshock Infinite kind of sp- does speak to the the things that it does really, really, really right in comparison yeah. <laughs> to the Bioshock series. Because that's also a series that feels kind of like a successor to Half-Life 2. Only instead of being kind of wrapped around nothing, it's wrapped around bullshit. (laughs) Well, the main comparison people kept making with those games is that you both have a female companion for the entire thing. Yeah. But Last of Us does it so much better. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's not even a comparison, really. Yeah, Mm -hmm. both narratively and mechanically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bioshock has is is a bunch of video gamey bullshit (laughs) wrapped around really shitty philosophy well and it, last of us is some video gamey bullshit but most of it's really classy and it has a really 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 good story that it's all wrapped around well at least the last of us didn't have an in-game prompt saying you don't need to worry about ellie in combat she can take care of herself yeah they just oh, trust God. you to be okay <laughs> it was kind of weird just watching like clickers kind of ignore her a lot Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I saw just... her run smack into a human guard one time, and I'm just like, oh, okay. So the game just kind of ignores her until they alert on you, and then every now and then they'll grab her, and you'll see that little health uh, icon that's like, okay, I gotta go save her now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad I think that they have that because that does add a lot. I think it happens once nothing. though. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I was so flo- I don't really play like any AAA games basically. So when I do play one. I'm so floored by all the things that everyone else is just like is kind of pat <laughs> in yeah. addition to um so not only am I playing Last of Us and being like the things that specifically make it better than its compatriots it's also just I'm playing this video game with really 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 pretty graphics and that is <laughs> can yeah. get get can um be big to me <laughs> But, yeah, basically, you know, like, my first few hours of the game, I really had to struggle with my thoughts about it because I mm-hmm. wanted to be sure I was having my own thoughts and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I obviously, you know, I turned a corner on that, and it obviously, you know, it ended up as number two on games that I played last year. Uh, it oh, had that It had that much of an impact. So, um, mm-hmm. Rhett, how were your first few hours with The Last oh, of can Us? I say one, can I say one thing? Of course you can. Just thinking about how... Um I can't empathize too much with that experience because I pretty much go into every game thinking, all right, this is going to be the best game ever. <laughs> we all <laughs> know I that just, about you. And then I just keep playing it and playing it and playing it until enough that either it's that is validated or enough things come together that um, just break it. that shatter that, that break that. So <laughs> that, that worked excitable. out well for Last of Us. I'm, I'm very excitable, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so I am the most recent one to play it. I only played it like two weeks ago or something. Uh, and I really struggled with that same thing Polly was just talking about, being like, everyone says this is so good, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Am I just kind of going along with it for the ride and just mirroring people's opinions? And I'm kind of still not sure how much is my own opinion and how much is just kind of osmosis of popular culture being like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, just constantly drilling that into your head. Yeah, it's just impossible to get out of your head. But I will say, like, you talk about first reactions, like, that fucking prologue, though. Like, goddamn. They nailed it. Just right out of the fucking park. So, 
I mean, we're we're on spoiler, spoiler territory, so when Sarah gets shot and dies, yeah. like Oof. I'm just like, oh shit, like shit gets real, and it's just like you know something bad is going to happen. Yeah, because you yeah. don't see her in any of the other uh, game perma material. <laughs> but yeah. but you don't know what that something is going to be, or the context around what that something is going to be, and then it happens, and it's like. Like I said, at, at the end of the Game of the Year stuff, it's like, my reaction to everything in that game is, damn. So, for me, it was like, that was the one scene in the game that really got me to get emotional. Because it's like, so I kind of almost got inside the head of Joel for the mm-hmm. most of the game, because it's like, nothing affects me anymore, because they've already done the worst thing possible. Yeah. Yeah, like, th- and that's an interesting mm-hmm. mindset to be playing that game from. So that was mm-hmm. the one scene that really got me to tear up, and then everything after that was just like whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I think not, they kind not of... in a bad way, but just like you deal with it. Like shit happens. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like yeah, some shit's gonna go bad right now. You know, somebody's going to get killed that you know Joel obviously cares for in this you know scenario playing out twenty years after Sarah. Mm-hmm. But but it's just like he he can't stop to think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other. <laughs> I think the second time, like things had more of an impact because, yeah, the first time playing around, I was like, "Ooh, well, okay, that happened. All right, you know, cut the black next scene." And then the second time, it's like, "I know this is coming, and it's going to be bad." And then it's just, and then it happens. It's like, "Ooh, yeah, that was so much worse than I remember." And the acting, <laughs> the acting in that scene is excruciating. Oh, oh my god, the the screams He's in of so much. Oh my god, like, it made me uncomfortable in a way that, like, it's like, Metal Gear Solid, um, Ground Zeroes tried to do that, Uh. (laughs) they tried to make you feel like that, that, I don't know what that feeling is, but you're sitting there and it's just like, everything about this just feels so wrong, and Mm -hmm. I, I can't deal with this right now. And in Metal Gear Solid, it's just gross and exploitative. And in this game, like with the way that it's voiced and the way it's presented tastefully, it's just like everything about this is like it's giving me the emotions I'm supposed to be having right now. Mm-hmm. And again, we can contrast that with Bioshock Infinite, which came out the same year and won a lot of the same awards. Good point. And I think I mentioned it to you right when I played it that I wish you had played through as Sarah for the entire prologue. Don't you switch yeah. to Joel? You switch to Joel at some point in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. There's a, there is a sense of disappointment where it's like, all right, I'm playing as a teenage girl in a AAA video game. Okay, Grizzle. Well, it's Grizzled not necessarily guy. that. It's yeah. the it's the impact that would be made if like you were it like if the game tried to set it up that you mm. were in control of her, and then what happened to her happens, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I it's mean. It's almost one of those things where it's like the Terminator twist. So the twist of Terminator Two being that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good Terminator, and then the other guy sent back is the bad Terminator, which is ruined by the trailers. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But just watching the movie, like completely blind, going into it, you're supposed to be set up that the that you don't know that the roles are going to be reversed. So it's like, yeah, it's like I, I really could be playing as a preteen girl. I don't know, wait, but. But, but even then, at that point, it's just a walking simulator <laughs> it, for that prologue of the game. Yeah. So I think the Which way that events right. So the the way that events transpire, that I think they 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 came out well. I mean, it didn't really turn like into a okay, Joel, grab a gun. Now it's Call of Duty all of a sudden type. No, thing. no, no. Lead, leading up to what happens before the meat of the game starts, I think they handled that pretty deftly. 
Oh, yeah. absolutely. And it just I, underlines his character for the entire rest of the game, too. I think the best part for me is, like, just the feeling of helplessness, though. Like, being the little girl and, like, sitting in the backseat of the car, like... Oh, God, yeah. It's not a section you're in control, and that's so rare in a video game, just being helpless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of let things play out. They let mm-hmm. you, like, look around and stuff. And yeah, like, you're... Yeah. I mean, you're technically kind of in control, but it's, like... It's not the same thing. You're a small girl in a big world, like... Oh, and, and shit's going to hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. shit's hey, going. Half Half Life pulls that same trick with the being out of control, but it's never to like that intense emotional thematic effect. It's more like here's a coffin. Better get into it if I want to keep playing the game. Oh, that part was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so contrast that with Last of Us and just that that scene with the vehicle section, which is just such a common thing in video game in a lot of these video games, but it's just executed to a much higher um, purposeful effect. I, I just want to say while we're on the note of the prologue, so um, you can already see Joel's um, breakdown from being like civilized human being to uh, pragmatist survival at all costs. It's like the part where his, his neighbor uh, is infected and breaks into the house. And, um, you know, like first Joel's like, you know, uh, uh, Bob or whatever the guy's name is is like you know I'm warning you and then the, he just comes charging at him and Joel puts two in his head and Sarah's like oh my god did, you know, I saw him this morning and um and then like just like two minutes later they're driving down the road and there's like some hitchhikers they're like we're gonna pick them up right and he's like no keep driving keep driving another truck will come pick him up it's just like already yeah. you can see you, that you see those the gears seeds. start turning into motion exactly and that's the thing Ooh. that really kind of bothered me with some of the criticisms about the game is that people are like oh but Joel's not a likable person it's like he's uh. not he's not supposed <laughs> to be off. Joel isn't you. Get exactly. that get that out of your freaking skull. You mm-hmm. know, it's like that's the, like and, and most games just like have this, you know, blank slate kind of protagonist, blah blah blah. That's not what Joel is at all. You know, he is a, you know, a man that's scarred by the things that have happened to him and he has adapted to his situation in the best way that he he could. Mhm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The damn. blank slate thing makes sense in the in the first half-life. Um, where it's just you're in this situation and then you react organically to it. But mm-hmm. then in the second game, you have all these characters talking to you and you have like a presence in this world and then you <laughs> just are silent. Yeah, that's... yeah. We keep going back to Half-Life. Well, it's... Sorry, I keep bringing it up. Well, they're, at, true, two op- they're at two <laughs> opposite ends of the same, like, really weird battlefield of... Games as games trying to present a narrative, you know, and like a lot. I know a shit ton of people that think that Half Life has this in crazy intense, very well done narrative, and it's like you are it's so just the wrong. <laughs> the shell is what makes that game compelling because no no game up to that, po- very few games up to that point had executed the shell so well, right? And I and I love it for that. I love how well that is executed. I absolutely um, love Half Life One. Mm-hmm. And in Half-Life 1, it's okay because the story isn't presented as anything particularly um, grand. It's literally just you are in the situation and escape. Yeah. And that works perfectly in that sense. And then the where it gets really complex is in Half-Life 2. And that game is obviously so well-regarded in so many ways and for many, many good reasons. And then just seeing this game that in a couple specific ways, just kind of blows it out of the park. 
Yeah, you know, is I, I see them attempting the same thing, only The Last of Us came along ten years later and did that something way better. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh, in, in, terms of the narr- in terms of the narrative, you know, and what they were trying to do in both Half-Life 2 and The Last of Us. So that's the distinction we're making here. Mm-hmm. And then Half-Life, and then Last of Us has cutscenes, but they're short and, like, well done and effective, and it makes and it, you realize how like organic that is in comparison to just kind of the this isn't really a cutscene, is it? Kind of <laughs> things in Half Life Two. So yeah, the moments it, in that game where you have to stand and listen to someone talk are the fucking worst. Because mm-hmm. like none of the cutscenes are like that in Last of Us. They all just they move and then you move on. I think. I think yeah, there, there's the, like the the. Like the talky bits, I guess you would call them the walkie-talkie bits, where you're mostly just like you're being given a break from the action, or they're trying to establish the new area, you know, and you're walking and talking around. Things are still moving, things are happening, you know. Your characters are bantering back and forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can, and you also get prompts every now and then. There'll be like a triangle prompt over a character's head in a scene where there's a little optional bit of dialogue. Or, um, or yeah, like it can, like you said, walkie-talkie bits. They happen organically. You can actually skip some of those just by like running out of the room. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the dialogue will trail off, but sometimes the characters react to it, which I thought was pretty. Yeah, funny. they'll be like, "Hey, get, you're like, fine, like, dick, yeah, fuck off, Joel." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ellie does that a lot. If you you know walk away without uh, you know hearing what she has to say, she'll just be like, "Well, fine, dick." <laughs> oh, that's I- funny. I think jumping into cutscenes works better in The Last of Us because it's a third-person game. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Like, Half-Life can't do that because you never actually see Gorman. Like, it's so dedicated to being in first person that it <laughs> kind of suffers for that. Gorman. Mm-hmm. Oops. Gorman. <laughs> Gorman Freeman. Oh, Gorman. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I, I guess we've said a lot about the prologue. So, yeah. like, when we hit I that have, part later, we can probably gloss over a little bit. I have um, one little narrative thing about the about the end of the prologue. What's that? Um, I think the end of that sequence establishes a, um, a textural through line throughout the whole game, where um, every time something really, really heavy and emotional happens, oh yeah, it cuts to black and then cuts forward like. A, a season or something. I like that technique. Yeah, I remember some people complaining about it because it doesn't give you time to emotionally process what happens, which is the point. You don't get any room to process what happens in these games. You just have to take it and move on right up until the very, very end, yeah, which is what gives that game that it's that it's sh- emotional shape. Yeah, and in the context of that world and the way people have to live... Like, you can't stop and ruminate on what just happened. You know, you can't have that stop and everybody be sad moment that Eris mm-hmm. died or something. Yeah, you, or like in The Walking Dead. Yeah, you can't have that. And and the way, like, The the Last of Us deprives you of those those quiet moments where, you were, you know, you're supposed to be given a chance to, like, oh, man, that really did suck. You know, and then they just throw you forward, you know, whereas after the prologue, it's 20 years. But after that, it's like... You know, it jumps forward by seasons after all the major events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and and the game um, very explicitly contextualizes that narrative choice too. There's there's one bit of optional dialogue where Joel says, um, "You know, 
Well, Ellie's like, oh, we're just not going to talk about happening. What happened? And Joel goes, no, shit happens. We move on. That's it. That's how you, mm-hmm. and that's the mindset you, um, that these characters put themselves into. And, the yeah, the, the narrative follows that and, you know, not for no reason. Yeah. It's just a really sharp choice all around. I feel like. Do you like it's that like, choice, Rat? Uh, I, so I thought the first time when Sarah died, like that was the one time it kind of gave you a moment to be emotional and then mm-hmm. it cuts to black and goes 20 years later. I'm just like, oh, that's way, way longer than I would have expected, <laughs> like, a game to be set forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they... Like, they... That's, that's, like, a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. Like, Literally, yeah. Oh, I have one thing. Um, imagine how much worse this game would be if they held on... If they didn't tell you about um, his daughter until late in the game. Oh, God. If they had not, like, had... Uh, if they would have just started you out in the like in the fucking um, oh yeah, if they'd have just started yeah. out in the quarantine zone and you're just dropped into the middle of this situation that you're supposed to piece together, it would not have worked at all. That whole, absolutely that whole character arc would have fallen to pieces. There's a ton of Hollywood movies that pull that shit. Yeah, where just, like it's just like they, oh well, don't you know he lost his daughter 20 years ago? They hide characters' motivations so that they can present them as twists. And yeah, that's, that's bullshit. Not a, that's not a fucking twist. That mm-hmm. is just shitty, lazy story development and story execution mm-hmm. for stupid people. Yeah, characterization is more important than mystery. It um, works so well in this, though, because mm-hmm. the prologue feels so disconnected from the rest of the game, but it's always kind of in the back of your head, like, what actually happened to this guy? Yeah, exactly. and, and again, that puts you right in the mindset of that character it's just like yeah you're not that character but and he is just your cipher to that world but he is also a character that you you understand immediately because you know you saw that trauma you went through that trauma you experienced a lot of those same feelings so it's like you know like even though you know 10 15 hours later you're near the end of the game or whatever it's just like you're still thinking about like that shit that happened 10 or 15 hours ago yeah and when like and it Ellie... means that when and because Joel's a sh- kind of a shitty person it it you can you can still empathize and connect with him because you understand his psychology you understand why he does the things he does and that just makes you feel so much more connected with his story you were and saying like, right and like when Ellie tries to bring up Sarah and he's like we don't fucking talk about that like yeah you know why <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's he he's still not over it. Yeah, and and like you never get you would never get over something like that. And I'm glad that there was never a point where you actually saw you know Joel like at peace with it or something. Yeah, you know it's you know like the death of a parent, the death of uh, a sibling, the death of a child. Like that you those those are people that you are connected to in very unique and strong ways and you're not going to get over those just by one major revelation mhm or 20 years or 20 years it's like it's not going to happen 20 years. no matter what you do you know like no matter what you have to go through you know to continue living in the world you know that's always going to be there because it's part of what's shaped you Mm-hmm. Last of Us denies easy catharsis yes. at every opportunity. Except in the combat, because that's pretty damn cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, it's like you're doing these grotesque, violent things, so even when they're even when they're kind of viscerally enjoyable in the abstract video game sense, they're still kind of eerie and unpleasant in yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. 
it's, emotional sense. It doesn't. I, I don't think The Last of Us glorifies its violence. It's, mm-hmm. It, it oh, feels very calculated and purposeful. Mm-hmm. So I'll just mention this now because you keep talking about how The Last of Us denies catharsis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people compared this game to Bioshock Infinite the year it came out because, hey, little girl, daddy simulators. Right. But the game that The Last of Us like most kind of reminded me of was The Walking Dead Season 1. But not because it's zombies, but also because the whole thing is about the relationship in that between uh, Lee and Clementine. Right. Like, taking care of this little girl. But, like, totally different in the way that every event in that game was about, like, letting you cry like a baby. Yeah, it... it giving you the catharsis and, like... Yeah. Just totally opposite in that way as well. Yeah, and they're both valid storytelling techniques. Um, and, and I think that The Walking Dead Season 1 was well-written enough that it, it can do that and not seem hammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Walking Dead, like, they... they You feel the full impact of stuff, like the very end of that... The very last shot of that, that yeah. um, game. They... It's not happy. It's not... But it is cathartic. It gives you closure in a way that Last of Us always, always, always denies. Right up to the very end, too. Yeah. Yeah, It's fantastic. We will Mm -hmm. get to that. We'll get to that. Because that that ending, dog. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you can compare Last of Us with Half-Life. I feel like you can compare Last of Us with Bioshock. And I feel like you can compare (laughs) um, Last of Us with The Walking Dead. And The Walking Dead is the one that actually I feel like is a legitimate fully legitimate alternative approach. Yes. But I um, I feel like Last of Us comes out looking good in every comparison I can think of. Yeah. I was just thinking how, like, that game got me the waterworks, like, at every possible opportunity, and yeah. The Last of Us was just, like, just kind of dead inside. Uh, like, it's like, I'm already dead. I should mm. just be <laughs> dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I Yeah, I, I think everyone... I know of was crying constantly throughout the Walking Dead game, but yeah, Last of Us is a completely different beast. You're cold and bitter, and it's just like there is no good in this world. I'm just doing what I gotta. It's just interesting to me how two very similar takes can have such different emotional responses. Right, right. I'm just mm-hmm. not sure how they do that, but it's very interesting. Absolutely. So. Let's take a moment to tear ourselves away from the narrative, which we will be hitting very shortly. And The Last of Us, you know, as much as we might not want to admit it, I guess, it is a video game. So um, I guess this is the point where we can sort of talk about how do you feel about, like, the game as a video game? Like, do you think that it accomplishes what it set out to do? Do you like what it's doing? Um... You know, just all of that fun stuff. Whoever wants to jump in, go right ahead. I'll, so, do, it. I'll do it. Oh, okay. Oh, fine. Go, John. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just had two two quick things, basically. Um, I think the very first combat encounter with that game is very is staged incompetently. Mm. When they introduce, when you walk into the room and there's like literally just chest high walls um, strewn out of the ground, and I instantly realized, oh. Okay, I guess we're going to do this now. Well, that's and really that's really all the PS3 Naughty Dog games, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you I, played I, the think, Uncharted, I haven't played any Uncharted. Uh, I think so I when you when that. you look at like 
sort of Naughty Dog's mindset coming from Uncharted and then, you know, going in to make this entirely new property that isn't the same thing as what they've been doing for the PS3's lifespan, that I can see like where shades of like old habits would still be there. And I can think I think that like sort of like the first combat portions of the game, you know, where it's mostly against dudes and, you know, there's a lot of chest high walls and cover mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that they were like this is the, like what we were working on first. Mm-hmm. And it's what we know, so we will start here and start to work outward. And it's strange because I don't think any of the other locations in the game really feel classless and video gamey like that very first area do. Like the very first area does. Yeah, it is very purposefully trying to tutorialize you on things. Exactly. Which was a little unfortunate, I thought. Um, I, I do think in the rest of the game you can kind of tell when a combat encounter is coming up because there'll just suddenly be bottles everywhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's bottles never and bricks. As, like on the nose is at that very first area. Bottles and yeah. bricks, just grab your dicks, just grab your dicks. <laughs> Um, aside from that, I thought the combat was um, basically perfect and accomplished exactly what the game it needed to for the that story to work. <laughs> Boner? So I already complained about um, how you you get into these really beautiful environments and you want to explore, and then it turns out there's really not that much to explore. It's like oh, you round a, you go into an alley and there's nothing in here, or maybe like stupid firefly tag or. Um, oh, here's a staircase I can't go up because there's a pile of desks and chairs and shit blocking the way. But so the first time I played it, um, I let me just let me just say that I I feel like the combat is really it really serves the kind of um, the kind of gameplay experience they were trying to put forward because it's it's a really um, harsh and unforgiving world and. So you're you're a character basically who, <laughs> I mean, he can take a lot of beating, but he really is just one person. And so if you try to go through that one guns blazing, you're going to fail. So the first time I played it, I was trying to be all stealthy, but um, I'm not very good at stealth games. So <laughs> I got <laughs> alerted a lot and I, I had to replay segments a lot. Um so when I played through on New Game Plus, I think I was a little bit more gung-ho or trying to set things up like, let me see how many of these guys I can take out just like with this nail bomb or this Molotov and then like get around this corner and pick off more and more. Because um, you, you have a couple of ways with how you can do things, but if you try to go into uh, melee combat with just your fist, you're probably going to get picked off by, um, you know... A, other surrounding enemies be they be they the infected or be they um humans who a lot of the times have guns oh yeah um i think that the for me i remember the combat actually kind of reminded me of arkham asylum a little bit just in on a more two-dimensional plane where you just have that same kind of depth to like how you can approach all these situations in different ways and i really found it kind of interesting and I think if you just look at it as like a straightforward um, video game, then you, then it doesn't like real. Then there isn't really like a difficulty curve or a strong difficulty curve. They don't introduce new enemies a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's. I think that after a certain point, the fighting becomes may, maybe a little bit rote. But I think that in so it, I think it does so in a way that kind of serves the story. And I never actually felt bored during the fighting, if that makes sense. 
because I felt it felt like a natural way to pace um, progression I through totally that agree. story. I totally agree, and just like I really lo- like, while the game does lack a lot of explore, you know, exploration options, we're trying to you know get your way around levels or you know finding hidden goodies and stuff. I think, like, like for me, the openness with how I approached all the combat encounters, and I chose, like, you know, like, I'm going into this encounter, and I'm not ever going to hit the restart encounter button. I'm just going to take what the game gives me. If I fuck it up, I will fight my way out and, you know, live to see another day. If I die, oh well, no big deal. Oh, yeah, Um, I found myself fighting the way through a lot more on my second playthrough, and there were some times when I thought, you know, I'm fucked, but then um, I just kept going at it with, um, you know, using up every last nail bomb or Molotov or even those mostly useless sugar bombs, and it's like, oh, I kind of made it through that encounter okay. I wonder what I'm going to do now for the next one because I blew all my items, but hey, you know, that's... That's scraping and surviving. But that's like, that's 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 the emergent kind of gameplay that you know I like. Yeah, you know, like I don't expect that kind of emergent gameplay in uh, a AAA title where you've got that kind of openness where it's just like, yeah, okay, I might have blown most of my items here, but I still don't feel completely fucked. I think that like this game offers me enough avenues, um, you know, be it like, like because even just having a brick is enough to get yourself out of some really shitty situations if you're really careful. Um, Or just a shiv or two, and you're out of there. If you can, like, just, you know, get your hustle on and get out of there before people see you, or just fucking outrun them. Um, There are a lot of times where the stealth gameplay is a little clunkier than you'd think, so um, trying to get stealth kills on anything is usually not the best strategy to, to take on. Because um, a lot of times you get run up against a clicker that doesn't play by clicker rules. So clickers are blind, but you know if you make sound, uh, you will they will alert on you. That's a lot of times where the bottles and the bricks come in. But in some of those areas where, um, say, you've got a clicker and you've got a shiv, you've still got um, you've still got the regular infected like going on their little patrol routes. And so if one of those alerts on you, they'll basically have all this clicker swarm on you, which you cannot handle that situation in a melee fight. So it's sometimes better to just approach things to um, with the mindset of avoidance altogether. And um, at least on your first playthrough, you're probably going to be doing a couple of uh, areas once or twice over until you get, get down the um, just, just like how this one area gels out or in, until you figure out the best way to tackle each situation. The, uh, the listen mechanic uh, I think is really key to like why this like why I felt the stealth gameplay of that game worked. Whereas I typically am not the biggest fan of 3D stealth. I think that just a lot of times it feels like bullshit, and you're ending up just poking at sort of like the inconsistencies of a system that maybe not even sure of itself. Um, but I found that there was a lot of consistency. Um, with how I handled myself and was able to remain undetected for most of that game, uh, other than the times when it would just be like, oh, well, I didn't see that runner. Well, we're slugging this shit out. Um, <laughs> but, but, the, but the moments that I enjoyed the most were, was when shit hit the fan. 
was like, oh god, now I've really got to think here. You know, or, or it's just like the moment. Yeah, you got to pull your bacon out of the fire. That's probably that's some of the most intense moments, and that's really what a video game should do. It should be you shouldn't feel like you're um, you're playing it perfectly or the right way every time. Mm-hmm. When it when it springs that on you, it just you know that that getting the blood pumping is one thing. I think that does really well. The 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 thing that I found myself doing a lot was crafting mid combat. Uh, and that is the most oh, nerve. Cool. That is the most nerve wracking thing you can do. It's like, oh god. Uh, okay, what do I want to use? What do I want to use? Uh, okay, I've got enough shit to make an L bomb. Uh, I've got enough shit to make a Molotov. Uh, fuck it, Molotov goes faster. So you know, you're sitting there behind a wall. Shit is coming in on you. You're like, you know, you're crafting the Molotov. You pop up and just fucking give it a hurl and hope for the best, and it works out. At, at least, at, at least before you get the enough steroid upgrades to upgrade your crafting speed, and you get used to crafting from the quick menu rather than going into the full uh, select button menu. Yeah, yeah. And on New Game Plus, you keep your uh, previous uh, steroid upgrades and weapon mods. Um, so, oh damn. Yeah, you you'll, you can pretty much make yourself an unstoppable killing machine at that point. It gets mm. it gets to be like Resident Evil Four in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't start off with your weapons, but it, it's like once you get to the point in the story it's like okay now you have the shotgun you'll have all your shotgun upgrades from your previous playthrough cool that's funny that i never that i never even made the connection between this game and resident evil 4 but there's obviously a ton of through lines you can draw between those two games so red mechanic wise what do you think uh i'll just say that resident evil 4 definitely came up in my mind when i was playing this like dealing with the zombies and shit like you know this reminds me of the first time i played that and that was really good too and it was also really hard the first time you played it. Yeah. So, uh, I am really bad at stealth. <laughs> and I really like the listen mechanic, but even with it, I'm still really bad at stealth. So, I think I killed everything in the game. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I set off every single possible encounter and killed everything. <laughs> Actually, I think there was one guy I let go because I couldn't find him. You, you always leave one behind to tell the tale. Yeah, but so I was one thing I thought was kind of weird in the game. I was surprised, like knowing that there were the zombie infected fungal things in the game. There weren't that many like pure zombie encounters in the game. It felt like they kind of doubled down maybe a little bit too much on just a bunch of dudes rushing you with guns and stuff. So I never really got a handle on how the hell to deal with the infected. Really, I thought that the the infected areas far outnumbered um, Hmm. actual fights with humans. There was a point towards the middle. I'm just like, oh, here come more dudes. Yeah, there 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 are three there are three big areas in the game um, where you are going to be fighting normal dudes. Yeah, Uh, and the thing that I wish they would have done is that I wish they would have made like. I wish there would have been conflict on both sides. I wish there would have been like, oh, great, there's infected and normal dudes here. And, like, when those two start interacting with one another and you having to find your way through this fucking clusterfuck. Oh, that would have been really clever. I wish they would have done that. Yeah, there's really only one spot that springs to mind where the the dudes with guns and the infected interact. And um, it's pretty much um, you walk into this area and then they like two dudes are there and it's like they're, they're shooting a couple of infected. And if you just wait, then the infected are off the map completely. And now you got to make your way around these two dudes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I am kind that of must have been really complicated behaviors to manage would be like managing how enemy parties and infected would infight would have been pretty complicated. And I guess they might've just not wanted to, 
spring for that extra little bit of interesting systemic interactions. I don't know. I was going to say, like, almost every game seems to do that these days where it's like even the first Half-Life has moments where the Marines are fighting aliens and you can kind of just run by everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, so many games just try to show off, like, oh, we've got AI systems kind of fumbling against each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how much that stuff in, like, Half-Life is scripted versus, like, real um, just plopping enemies down and then having their AIs work against each other. Yeah. Because, like, I was playing Uncharted 2 last night, and there's a moment where, like, the crazy Yeti monsters start attacking the enemies, and you can kind of just walk by all that. <laughs> so, and that's a Naughty Dog game. But, uh, so I never really got the good handle on the stealth, because there's the clickers that you gotta go real slowly near, and they'll fucking kill you in one hit. But then you got, like, the normal zombie kind of guys that walk around so erratically yeah the, the there are no real like 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 the enemy uh even like a lot of the normal uh enemy humans don't have set routes um they just sort of do their own thing and it's especially more erratic when you get with like the runners and stuff yeah so uh, oh man so everyone bitches about the clickers but it was really the runners that would just always spot me and then just alert fucking everybody. Yeah, especially map. if there's like one off in the corner you're trying to get a stealth kill on and then another one rounds the corner because Joel's little tap out animation when he's choking someone to death just takes so long and it's probably not the best way to approach most situations. I I choked motherfuckers out like crazy. Mm. I loved it. That's what I tried to do the most, though, in my first playthrough, and then I I realized a little bit in my second playthrough, it's like, the reason I died so much the first time is because I'm trying to go more stealth. It's like, so maybe should I do more avoidance or just more straight-up, mono-e-mono, kill everybody? Yeah, so, in my case, like, I kind of had the same realization that, like, I can't stealth against zombies, because the runners just, they see me or they turn around at the wrong moment, like, right when I'm right behind them. Uh-huh. And then and then the clicker will just one hit kill you. Yeah. Once yeah. they alert that. So a lot of the time I would just start like throwing a distraction and, and then a Molotov after it. Like, hey look a bottle. Oh hey, look a flaming bottle. Yeah, I like the I like distraction tactics in that game a lot too. Just like huck a brick somewhere mm-hmm. against the wall, you know. That's you where you get the kind of Arkham Asylum y vibes. Yeah. And you just like get people looking the other way so they ain't looking at me. Mm-hmm. I did like how, like, if you keep making noise, like, you can get the zombies to just run into the fire even after it's yep. already there because they're so stupid. <laughs> they're dumb. But I thought the fights against the human enemies were great because I did a little bit better stealthing them as well as just outgunning them once I had alerted them. I think it's largely because their patterns are more predictable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, they- even though, like, the zombie patterns are simple, um... They're still they're they're simple to the point of being erratic and, and like when 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 a runner is alerted, he's just going to come after you, you yeah. know like like the the like like enemy humans on the other hand like they will rush to get behind cover so that they can start yeah. shooting at you and you can sort of systematically work your way through them and like sneak up on them. Uh, whereas that's not really pos- possible once you've alerted an entire swarm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like with the humans, behavioral you... differences between the two are really interesting and kind of nuanced, I think. The two different yeah. kinds of enemies. Like with humans, you know kind of where they're going to go, and then you can kind of flank around them. And then eventually they'll be like, where, is, where do you go? And then they'll start leaving themselves open. Mm-hmm. 
So sometimes when I die a bunch on an encounter, though, like it kind of takes you out of the game where it's just like, okay, now I'm going to run up and stealth kill this guy. Now I'm going to turn a corner and stealth kill this guy. Like you start to memorize where stuff is probably going to be. And it starts to take you out of that narrative moment. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I think, like, I think that the game's, like, combat is is so tied to the way its narrative is presented. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so, like, just in-your-face, rigid, um, and, and very nuanced in the same way um, that the narrative is. And it's... it's um, And brutal in many of the same ways as well. Um, mm-hmm. With the way it likes to just, you know, take your emotions and punch them up a little bit. Um, it's really grounded, too, though. Like, when you're, when you're going the gunfight route, you've really got to... <laughs> Guns are it's it's not easy to hit things in this game. I don't know that there's any aim assist really. I don't think and, there is. And you really have to get in a good position to do it because if you run out into the middle of a room, it's like, well, okay, you're um you're probably not gonna be able to kill this guy in one or two shot. You're not gonna be three sixty no scoping everybody. You're gonna draw the ire of everyone else on the map, and that's just, you know, however many less shells or rounds you expend to get yourself out of a tighter situation. Cause there are some segments where it's just, um, I hesitate to call them turret sequences, but there are a few where the infected are charging you and you basically have to rely on guns. And if you expended those on uh, parts where you could have handled it, maybe with stealth or melee, then um, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself wishing that you hadn't you know tried to waste your time because even with the upgrades it's still hard to dispatch anything with guns and that's something you got to get used to pretty early on. And Joel is not like Supermarine. Uh, he doesn't have the steadiest aim, um, you know. And like his combat animations for like melee stuff, it's just straight up like I'm. He's swinging a ball bat like I would swing a ball bat at somebody. He's not doing, you know, he's not holding it like a sword and then, you know, swinging it like a sword. He's not holding this. He's taking an axe and just planting it in someone's head because that's the first thought you have when you have an axe in a situation that needs resolved. <laughs> kind of like that Shadow of the colossus thing where the horse, where the guy just acts like a dude who picked up a sword and a dude with a horse who just grabbed a horse. Where yeah, it feels kind of grounded in a way that video games don't do too often. Yeah, you know, the fact that Joel is not a super soldier and, you know, like, even when, like, y- you have, like, all of the best health upgrades and stuff, he's still going to get torn up pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was one thing that really took me by surprise. Like, you cannot rush enemies if they have cover and a gun. No. Like, you will die every time. They like. will rip they will rip you will watch that health bar deplete in a matter of frames. And yeah. if you take mm-hmm. a if you take a shot too, Joel will stagger back or usually fall on his ass. It's you know, it, even if you have the health, rushing guys is a good way to get yourself killed. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think that there's any like anything that really determines it either. It's just sometimes when you get shot, you're just gonna fall on your ass because you're a human being and you get shot, you're gonna probably fall on your ass. Mm-hmm. I can't get over how cool um, this is probably the most standout little um, choice for me was making the clickers an instant kill Yeah, I think that that was such a smart 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 call and it makes everything just a lot more intense in a really nuanced cool way oh, plus God. they had that audio Some- cue 
Oh, God. Some of those areas where it's just like nothing but clickers and you've got to sneak your way through and it's just like, I've got two shivs left and nothing to make more. Um, So it makes mm-hmm. you like, it's like, do I have nerves of steel to get by these motherfuckers or am I going to just take a couple of out to make my day a little easier? I kind of hated that they were instant kills. I like that. Yes. I-, I thought it was great gameplay design. There's mm-hmm. that one first big room with a bunch of zombie characters that you have to you have to clear it out in order to make way for Ellie and what's the other girl's name? Tess. Tess. So you, it's the one part where I think you just absolutely have to kill everything. And yeah. God, I I died like 15 times there. I was just like, oh. fuck this. Like the zombie stuff just never quite clicked with me. Oh, it's a but, bummer. Never clicked with you, Red. <laughs> See what yeah. he did there? Because cause, cause one of the enemies in the you game... Got, yeah, named... well, you guys said grounded like five times. <laughs> that's, that's one of the difficulty levels, so whatever. Um, the clickers felt like the one... They were the one thing, like, everything else felt like, okay, this is pretty a pretty solid, like, a tr- design for, like, a AAA video game. And then the clickers felt like the kind of decision that I would see in one of my, like, weird offbeat freeware-type games. Like, like that's the, only, the only difference is, like, you know, The Last of Us won't delete your save when you die by a click or two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, like, the big fat zombies... Well, well, there was a bug when it first came out where your autosaves could get uh, corrupted. Oh, lovely. <laughs> the big fat zombies are so scary! Yeah, I thought they were way more scary where the clickers were just annoying for me. Oh. I, I felt totally the opposite. Like, I found the fat dudes just kind of like dumb, lazy bullet sponges because there wasn't really any way to avoid them. So you That's- had you had, <laughs> you had had to waste supplies on them, and I, I was just like, I, was like, I don't want to give up my stuff. Fine, here's a fucking Molotov. Eat it. I, I will I mean, say there is one uh, part. It's like the second time you meet a bloater. So the first time I you actually exactly meet a bloater. What talking about. Is- yeah, so do I. So you meet a bloater, and it's in the high school gym, and yep. it's pretty much like, a, okay, you can circle, circle strafe around this guy or hit him with a Molotov and a couple of shotgun shells, and he's dead. And then there's another one where it's like um, a two-level – it's one of these parts where you got to start a generator. And, of course, once you start mm-hmm. the generator, all the zombies in the mm-hmm. area swarm on you, and yeah. there's a bloater. And the first time I, – I remember um, having so much trouble with that segment um, just because – you're constantly fighting off runners and then up there's the bloater and you don't have a whole lot of room to run away from him. And, you know, going toe to toe with him is just, you're going to fail. And then the second playthrough, I realized, wait a minute, I can just go through, I can just go to the door. Joel locks the door behind him and that's it. So, <laughs> so once that's I figured I did, out where to go, so scary. once I figured out where to go, because I mean, because sometimes these maps can be disorienting, but oh, yeah. I just, Definitely. I just took off and I was like, well, I don't see how I had that much trouble with it before. I guess I guess I was just too in the kill them all mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, de- I definitely I got turned around on some of those maps pretty bad. Um, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe they just like they didn't like I guess they got didn't guide light them properly enough or something to sort of help pull my attention in the right direction. But I found myself sort of like, where the hell am I going? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really glad they didn't have a map, though. That oh, God, that would have been terrible. Yeah. You can um, find maps in the game, but they're literally just images of a map. You don't have yeah, an exactly. auto-map. <laughs> the, um, the second bloater segment was probably the most memorable kind of combat encounter of the game for me. It took maybe two tries, but all I did was just run, 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 run as fast as I could away from the bloater. Because the second it showed up, it was really scary jumps 
scare because I we'd only seen this person once in a very controlled environment, and suddenly I was in this claustrophobic area alone with a bunch of enemies and the bloater suddenly coming at me. So what I did, I sprinted up the stairs, all around, went straight for the door I knew I needed to go out of, and then tried to start picking the lock. And then you hear the bloater coming up behind you. Oh, God, and it's so I good. realized it's right next, it's right behind me. <laughs> Because I thought, because I, I ran so far, and I was like, "This big fat guy, he can't catch up with me." And then it, it's almost there; it's almost right on your butt, but you can't turn around to look either. No. And he gets through the door, and you slam the door shut, and then he's just like, "Ooh, that was a thing that happened." <laughs> I was just like, "Wait, so you can pick the lock at that part?" I, that- I get well. What, what? However, you get through that door. Oh, you, you have um, to find a key card. Uh, what, it's fortunate that you can find the key card, and then there's an auto save before you start yeah. the generator, because then the generator mm-hmm. powers the electronic lock. Yeah. Um, so if they however, mean you find the key card and then run away from the bloater. Oh, yeah. No. No. That, that would. Shit. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was a key card, but however it was, it still takes time to open that door, and it was a very, very well done moment. I thought. And it was where kind of everything about the the um, infected, everything about that game systems really clicked for me in a really me- <laughs> in a really meaningful way. Yeah, that section played out pretty much exactly from same way for me as it did John. Where I tried fighting the bloater the first time, just like bad I idea. Just, I bet I could just run by this guy because it's such a tight hallway where it's just like you fake left and then you run right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you swipe in the key card, and I just rotate the camera, and you see him walking down the hallway, and you're like, fuck, 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 get in. <laughs> and that was when I was like, you know what, this is the new Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that specific part, just so and terrifying. That, that animation when the bloater catches you is so brutal. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. That, that, was e- that was, like, kind of that game's... Um, when you're trapped in the building and the um, chainsaw guy with the bag over his head comes up after you in Resident Evil 4. That was kind of like Last of Us is that moment for me. Well, like, Resident Evil 4 has a moment like that where you're being chased down a narrow, a series of narrow hallways by Eligante, the big Mm -hmm. troll dude. Mm, Um, Yeah, I only played it through once a while ago, so I don't remember the individual moments, but that beginning is kind of the thing that clicks, sticks out of him. God damn it! (laughs) Hey, if you played Mass Effect 1 and you felt like uh, you were really getting the hang of it, would you say it gelled with you? <laughs> oh, damn it. But yeah. Oh, I guess that's the big oh, thing my that you say for um, The Last of Us. Is like, you know how Mass Effect 1 feels really like squishy and kind of blech when you're playing it? Yeah. I mean, I, that's fair. Um, La- last of Us feels like really sharp and intense all the way through. And it's what... Mass Effect's combat should have how it should have um, gelled with I mean, meshed well, with the story. Well, Last of Us is of not a game. long game either. I no. think my first playthrough yeah. clocked in at like 16 hours. Yeah, when that's I finished long. it. Yeah, when I finished it. That's, I was, that's long. <laughs> the first time I finished it was about, I want to say, I think it was 14 hours. I can't think of like any shooting games that have been that long besides maybe the first Half-Life that I spent that much time with. Like, man, I thought it was a very meaty experience, basically. I think it's definitely longer than the Uncharted games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was longer than Bioshock. I, I think, think it's it was... longer than the Uncharted games due to it being slower and methodical. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's less set-piece 
focused. Yeah. And a couple times there are set pieces where you're hanging upside down and oh shooting God, at people yeah. and it feels a, feels a little um, it almost feels a little out of place. Yeah. Especially when you especially when you have Very infinite contrived. ammo for when you have the infinite ammo, that's when it feels contrived. Yeah. And just how like unwieldy the aiming is anyway in that game. Yeah, <laughs> it kinda didn't work as well as they had hoped. Mm-hmm. I was fine with the turret and like the, the sniper sections because they kind of they give you a better reason for infinite ammo. It's yeah. not just like I guess this is a thing we're supposed to do, so let's do it. When the rest of the game is very good about avoiding, um, eh, I guess this is what we're supposed to do. Moments like with the clickers, they you're supposed to give you like have the clickers take out a certain amount of health. You're not supposed to have them kill you instantly. <laughs> they chose to go to break that rule, yeah, and to great effect, so, just like RE4 does a bunch. Um, so any other big thoughts? One more thing about kind of gameplay systems. The, the crafting also was maybe one of my least favorite parts where I get that it was good that they had to have you a reason to kind of scavenge around the environment mm-hmm. to build stuff. But it was definitely by far the most kind of video gamey thing where you're going into this menu and being like, okay, one plus one equals Molotov or yeah, health kit. I, I, well, guess, ha- I guess having they- the go ahead. No, go ahead. Having the health kit and the Molotov require the same ingredients is just kind of like, well, okay, I guess I'm I'm probably going to go for health kits because I can get around things without a Molotov, but you got to have those health oh, kits. Oh, I, I thought that was a really interesting choice. Like, whenever I went for a Molotov, it was like a really purposeful, kind of interesting decision. But then, yeah, and, and but then on me, the other hand, you've got um, the... The, so you've got fertilizer, which is your key ingredient in explosives, and the two types of explosives are nail bombs and sugar bombs. And it's just really like, okay, I have an overabundance of sugar, and I guess I'm gonna, you know, use these up, but because I just don't happen to have enough blades to make a new nail bomb. But then on the other hand, you've got blades can be used for shivs, or they can be strapped to your melee weapon to get an instant melee kill. So it's, it's, it's some fun of the resource management. Yeah, yeah, but some of them are a bit more useful than others, and some Absolutely. of them you're just like, I'm burning these out because I'm seeing so I'm seeing so much. Um, I guess I'm seeing so many rags and stuff in this area that I'm full up on rags, but I don't have enough alcohol to make more um, health kits or molotovs. Mm-hmm. Do you know if uh, higher difficulties put high, uh, put lower restrictions on um, how many you can have at one time? Yeah, like- I was just about to say that the number of restrictions they have on how many of each thing you can carry. To- at a time is very smart because it prevents you from like stockpiling, which would have been tedious. Hmm. I don't know about higher difficulties though. For me, it was just like, okay, I've got three health kits. So I guess I'll make some Molotovs now because I'm full up on everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I-, I was in that position a lot of the time, mostly because I just avoided a lot of combat scenarios, or I was good at stealthing my way around. So, mm-hmm. I, like, I ended up with an excess of stuff sometimes, but it was mostly just because I had chosen a very conservative mm-hmm. uh, and quiet play style that, you know, like, if I did get into a bad situation, I had a lot of stuff to be able to get myself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the um I think that the co- the crafting that you do in in the combat situations is really tense and interesting. I, I thought it. 
I thought time, that we was talking about the um com the crafting your guns at like the workbenches and places. Yeah. And I thought that's what he was talking about when he said that this is kind of video gamey. Oh. That may, yeah, that would be pretty video gamey too. But mm-hmm. it's still contextualized, I think, in the world enough where it's just like, you no. Know, yeah, I think it worked out okay. I it's find not, random it's random parts. Yeah, that's <laughs> unobtrusive. That was pretty silly. I just felt like the crafting of like the items being like, oh look, they use the same materials we're making you choose. Like it almost feels like it's trying to be too clever in a weird way. Oh okay. giving you the subtle like the not so subtle wink and nod. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the health kit and Molotov thing. Where mm-hmm. they I think they even bring it up in the tooltip or something. Where yeah, it's like, I think it says that they both <laughs> use the same ingredients. Oh. It's like yeah, I get it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I thought that I, I actually just thought that was clever, but I can get seeing yeah, that I, I like an yeah. eye moment. I guess you know Brett and Boner are kind of on the same page, whereas me and John are sort of on the same page, where we both see it as uh huh clever in different ways. Hmm. It's I like haha, I'm clever, and then we're like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I do think it is amazing, though, how they took a genre that has just been fucking done to death in this generation of oh, games. God. Like, post-apocalyptic zombies, just everything about this game kind of is it, generic in description, but yeah. then it feels super fresh when you play it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The narrative I, I absorbed leading up to this game was like, yeah, the story is good, the gameplay is pretty eh, and then yeah, I played most it, people like, had, most people Most people had been like, yo, play it on easy so you don't have to worry. It was just like, <laughs> Like, I played it on normal and was just like, no, like, I really do like the gameplay here. You know, I like the fact that Joel isn't the best shot in the world. And, you know, you don't have a steady mm-hmm. aim. You're not going to be going for headshots because with the way his arm can swing around sometimes, <laughs> it's just like, I need these shots to count. I've only got six bullets. Mm-hmm. I think it's all just prescriptivist, prescriptive bullshit. Yeah. Where it's like, this game doesn't fit into the pre-aligned set of rules of how video game cover based video games should work. And so stuff like there aren't enough there aren't a ton of enemy varieties become there need to be more enemy varieties and stuff like um the difficulty doesn't really escalate too much throughout the experience. It's kind of a kind of the same level of her chunk big chunk of it I thought. Yeah. And it's- suddenly that is like, well that's against the prescriptive rules, so therefore this game is bad. And it's bullshit. <laughs> One last thing, kind of about the combat. Like, Mm -hmm. I got frustrated with the zombies because usually I would blow it right away and they'd kill me. But with the human enemies, like, the best fights in the games were the ones where you stealth, like, half the guys and then you get caught. And it's like, you really want to win this time and get on with it. And I had some sequences that would be like... You when when you pause the game, it says like your last autosave was 15 minutes ago. Oh it's no! Like, Goddamn, I am not losing this time. <laughs> I have to win now. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> oh, the your last autosave was X minutes ago thing was so sh- sharp. But they yeah. do that in Uncharted as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe but it. I, I think it worked even better for me in this because sometimes it motivates you. A, a combat encounter could last a very long time. Yeah, they can. There was one in the hotel where like I got lost on where to go. Oh no. So, and then, oh man, and I the dudes exactly are flooding in, about. and the dudes are flooding in. So, dudes weren't flooding in, but I had missed one dude, like literally one. Oh. So, it never gave me like the all clear kind of oh no, max moment. And it's like, your last auto save was half an hour ago. I'm like, Jesus Christ, 
Where, where am I going? You're <laughs> waiting for this dude to pop out from behind a corner and just shotgun you in the back. But I, in the end, I didn't have to kill him. I just had to find the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just because this one dude was, like, off hiding in a corner somewhere. Like, well, wouldn't you be if one dude just fucking went through your entire <laughs> ranks? Mm-hmm. It was just so funny, though, just, like... Because when you finish a combat encounter, don't they kind of stand up and be like, okay, it's all, it's all cool yeah, now? Yeah, they, they give you the all. Yeah, like Joel and Ellie and, like, if you have any other characters, they'll give you the all clear. They'll yeah, stand so up from behind the cover. It didn't do that, and that was so terrifying, having gone through this really long section being like, if I fuck this up, I'm turning the game off right now. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't, thankfully. So that's the one human I let live in the game. <laughs> He can tell the tale. Tell your bitches. <laughs> All right, so I think that we've basically mechanically busted this game down about as far as we can, mm-hmm. unless anybody else has got something else they'd like to add. Horses. Horses. Uh, oh, horses. Um, <laughs> I, I will I say that... it has better horse riding than Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I, I, having played some of Red Dead Redemption, I can agree to a degree. Mm-hmm. I think that... Um, all of the um, complaints I hear from people like Jeff Gershman or something about um, the combat is bad or something mm-hmm. comes from the mindset of um, not being able to appreciate how the combat works in the context of the story and just thinking that every that it needs to work according to some predetermined ideal like probably Resident Evil Four is the closest thing to that, but and he hates yeah. Resident Evil Four. He does. Oh God, he hates Why? it with a passion <laughs> because he's oh, Jeff Gersman and all of his opinions are bullshit. Yeah. So so yeah, I think that all of the um, complaints, mo- a ton of the complaints I've heard about the game's combat come from that trying to align it with a predetermined ideal instead of appreciating how it works in the greater whole. Yeah, it, it's not Uncharted. Like, yeah. The combat in that game works for the story they're trying to tell, where it's you're running and gunning, you're blind firing from cover, like you can rush dudes down and just punch them even though they're shooting you. Yeah. The fact that you can blind fire in Uncharted is kind of a testament to how different a type of game that is. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you can contract, like I mentioned Mass Effect earlier, and I feel like the all of the stuff in that game doesn't, the fighting stuff in that game doesn't really the ways that it's clumsy don't add to the narrative experience of that game in any meaningful way. So I'm fine with, with um, complaining about that game, that game's um, combat experience. But yeah. Last of Us, I think all of the moments of like clumsiness are intentional and, and a, have a good impact on how that story plays out. So, um, I guess with all of the mechanical doodads, nib knobs, and poop pips out of the way, um, we're gonna, like, go ahead and go full-on, balls-deep in spoiler territory. Uh, this is your last warning. Uh, we're gonna basically be spoiling everything here from, you know, from here on out, we're gonna be talking about, you know, our favorite moments, like the standout moments, things that really mean a lot. Um, uh, I'm not exactly sure how I want to start this section, so uh, why don't someone just jump in and throw something at me? Hey, Rhett, throw something at me. Bill's Town. Who's town? Bill's Town. <laughs> Wait, can we can we back up uh, for a second, though? Sure. Um, sure. I just want to mention, um, so at the beginning of the game, um, you have uh, another character accompanying you who is also not featured a lot in the game's 
promotionals, uh, so you know that bad things eventually happen to her. Uh, it's Tess. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, so like as I touched on before, um, a lot of uh, Joel's psychology is kind of, um, not to put too fine point on it, parallel to the whole um, crumbling of uh, civilized, uh, civilized human behavior and down to just like uh, pragmatism, survival at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Tess is the consummate pragmatist, but she's less of a bastard yeah. <laughs> than Joel is. Yeah, and it feels like a lot of the early game is like just Joel going along with what Tess uh, does. Um, so she's like the one who keeps him grounded, and even even like the inciting action for the whole quest per se is um, when Tess is taken out of the picture. You know, it's um, Joel's got to just follow through with what they started, and um, which so, is which is getting Ellie um, the hell out of where they're at. You know, the 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 uh, 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 Boston. Uh, yeah, Boston, the quarantine. Which is zone. way against like his natural instincts. He doesn't really give a shit. Yeah, he's right. Just he wants like, to survive at all costs, and Tess is like, "No, this is the only chance that we have. You have to, you have to see this through." Yeah. I feel like a lot of his behavior later in the game is just like I can see how without that um, character's influence, it's just like he really kind of does degrade into a, a grunting caveman who's you know out to hoard more berries than the next grunting caveman. Yeah, the the other people that he interacts with sort of tr- like they didn't necessarily directly influence his actions, but you can tell that like the way that they had impacted his life to some degree might have informed the way that he would approach a situation differently. Yeah, so I just mm-hmm. I just thought that was, I mean, um, you know, that character serves her purpose, and then once she's out of the picture, um, it's it's like, okay, how's how's this guy going to deal with uh, the rest of these things that come out of it? It's, it's, it's pretty, um, it's not a bait and switch, but it's it's just a pretty interesting little arc, if, if a minor one, because she's only in the game for, I don't know, like, 30 minutes or something. I thought she was actually going to be, um, I thought she was going to be around a lot longer. Like I hadn't seen her in press material or anything, but I wasn't really familiar with her at all. And the way that they seem to have their own little, uh, smuggling operation going, I thought, Oh, okay. Well, it's going to be like, you know, we're trying to get this kid to where they need to be. And I thought that it was just going to be this constant back and forth between these two. Um, and I didn't expect her to go out as quickly as she did. And in the way she did, because mm-hmm. they don't just do the whole predator um, go, b- I'll I'll hold them off thing. No. They do that, and then you um, and oh then, yeah, like, you see the after later. You you see just her dead on the floor, and it's yeah. just like it's this just different like, than what do you expect? It's a big sobering moment because it's not what you expect, you know, in your media or you know, like movies mm-hmm. or games or whatever. You know, they always just be like, oh, well, we just not we don't see that character again. But no, you see her lifeless corpse. You know, in a big old pool of blood, and you know she got fucked up, <laughs> and you can yeah. tell it was probably rather quickly. Ugh. But you can, yeah, you can see like, um, <laughs> so there is like a little bit of sweetness to the relationship, even though the two are um, like really pragmatic. There is a little bit of that walk and talk dialogue. So they're like, so after this is over, maybe we should lay low for a bit. And Joel's just kind of like, well, they're not like really explicit about it. And he says, well, you you always blew me off before, and she's like. All right, well, maybe I won't this time. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe there was something there. But Yeah, it's it's sort of like that, that, that their interactions sort of reminded me a lot of um, 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 Chloe and Drake in Uncharted. Yeah, I can see that. 
but yeah, that's test. So, um, anybody else uh, want to jump in and take this gravy train down the road? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, you wanted think. to haul us off to Billtown, <laughs> did you? Well, just to back up again, that moment where you see <laughs> Tess dead is just like the total subversion of how uh, the trope normally goes, where, oh, I'll hold yeah. them off, like the dramatic anime kind of hero sacrifice. And then you end up just going up a floor and looking down at the aftermath, and it's just so oh. ugly. In an yeah. anime, no one ever really dies, even if you yeah. see them get impaled. So, <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but uh, I do like the way that they sort of like put the exclamation mark on that moment, uh, and they made you go back and see that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's almost not even an exclamation mark. It's almost just like a period. It's a period. It's a period. It's just like, that, you know, like I say all the time, that game just makes me think, damn. Yep. So I really like the start of the Billstown chapter mm-hmm. for a really silly reason. Why is that? Because you go to Lincoln Mass, and like the chapter starts with them having just gotten off the highway. Yeah. And there's like a sign on the highway that says "Welcome to Lincoln," and it's like actually this design of the town signs that they use in Massachusetts. Oh, that's cool. It's like actually accurate, and I'm just like, oh, that's neat. I recognize that. That's really cute. And then, you, be, you being kind of close to where like that game begins, I gotta wonder if like that sort of had any influence on the way you sort of looked at things in it, or was it just kind of like those couple of cool instances where it's like, oh, I know what that is. It was actually more Billstown, even though I haven't been to Lincoln, but because Boston was just kind of unrecognizable, really. Yeah. From what they did to it, and like buildings being tipped over and shit yeah so um the narrative um context for this is that after civilization went to shit basically the um like the federal um emergency well it's called fedra in this game but it's fema right and the and the army uh bombed the shit out of the cities to try and take care of as many cordyceps infected um zombies that they could and you obviously that didn't go too well so that's why you're you're walking through uh-huh. ruined cities for most of it. They, um, it's one of those things that's only exposed in walk and talk dialogue. The game doesn't focus a whole lot on world building, which I think is to its credit. Definitely, I definitely think that's a strength. Yeah, yeah. It was just like shit happened, and I do remember them mentioning kind of the bombing raids that mm-hmm. didn't go very well, but it's kind yeah. of a background noise. And, and it's yeah, all think- like you know, like when you start the game out, it's like this whole like militarized, you know, zone of, like, you know, there are, um, 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 that word. Quarantine. Quarantines. Quarantines and, like, um, where you can't go out after dark. Curfews. Curfews, yeah, there's, like, you know, (laughs) you are shot for being out of, you know, you know, out during curfew and shit, so they present, like, this, like, you know, basically, like, this world is not a fun place to live. It kind of reminded me of the intro of Half-Life 2. Yeah, the combined soldiers, just like the military state of like, you will do what you are told, or we will shoot you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, you remember the opening credit sequence to this game? Holy hell! Mm -hmm. Just like out of nowhere, just that I just remember that and how cool that was. I don't remember actually. Uh, It's a lot of um, yeah, it's a lot of uh, well, radio chatter, um, news broadcasts over. Um, like newspaper clippings, documentation, and kind of like um, medical readouts of cordyceps infection, that sort of mm. thing. Yeah, they basically just do the whole like how the world fell under darkness thing in like two minutes, and they get all the exposition you need 
in that little credit sequence, and it's all presented in like a really cool way. And it's tasteful. It doesn't interrupt it's things. It's just like it's like okay, this is the opening of the game where you're letting you get set up and you know grab your popcorn or whatever. And um, the fact that they don't just like fetishize the world building is so good because like so many games get- is your post apocalyptic zombie game really have that interesting of a backstory <laughs> there that you, you need go. to go into it in depth. I, I'm, really? glad that they, I'm glad that they had the foresight to not focus so much on, hey, look at our world. Mm-hmm. You're, you're glad Bioware didn't make this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It's like, oh, yes, your your particular take on this very un, not well-worn concept is so unique that we need to just hone in on every last little detail about this. And the game does. They, they, do they don't do, do some, that. They do a bit of world building through some of the collectibles, like um, notes and stuff that you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't go like overboard with it, and they don't hide major plot points and that kind of thing. It's just like yeah. it's there if you want it, but it's not needed because you've seen this kind of world a million times. And those things are f- usually like picking up those journals and stuff. They're focusing on human elements. It's yeah. not all academic, like um, like a Dragon Age or Mass Effect log would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and a lot of times they comment on kind of like Joel's characterization and Ellie's characterization and how they interact. The journals can kind of highlight specific aspects of their relationship and their persons. Picking up the comic books was always like a cute little reward. Oh, yeah, totally. I always liked that. I liked how sometimes Joel would comment on a journal after you read it. Yeah. Like, sometimes you'd read a story of somebody who was, like, waiting for the military to arrive, and then oh. kind of, like, you know that story ends shittily, and then he even says something like, oh, I bet that worked out well for you. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> you all, all of those moments have done really well. And it just straight up big props to the fucking voice talent in this game. Oh, yeah, Troy Baker. Yeah, it does not even sound like Troy Baker. I didn't know it was him. And, and we will be touching on a Nolan North role in a bit yes. that a lot of people don't even realize is Nolan North. I didn't notice it until the credits. So yeah, I, like, I didn't either. I was like, what? That's him? Oh, you're going to blow my mind. Probably. <laughs> so I'm looking it up. Billstown. <laughs> so I like the start of Billstown because it's kind of the first big calm moment where you just have this really large area to kind of just pick around and at your own leisure, and there's a lot of buildings you can go into. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, for a generation, like a, we mentioned earlier, how this is such well-worn territory. Like, I played Fallout 3, I played Enslaved, and there's just tons of post-apocalyptic games. But just, like, the artistry in this game is stunning. Like, everything feels uniquely crafted, and, like, even though it's not a big world and it's pretty linear, like, there are sections where there's stuff off the main path that you can kind of explore and just... It felt like a real place, like few video games kind of do. Yeah, a lot of the insides of houses, like when you go into different houses, they have different outlines. They have different, um, Mm -hmm. uh, they have different texture sets. Um, It's kind of crazy the amount of detail that they put into trying to like make the world like look like it had been lived in and then been shit on. And then had nature reclaim it. And then had nature reclaim it. And just these really, like, from subtle to very jarring ways. Yeah. And I liked how, like, so many of the stores are unique. Like, oh, this was a bookstore, this was a music store, and then there's a toy store. And, like, everything felt so unique. Like, 
All these those are, are fun just to poke through the little details. Well, there's like posters, um, uh, and you see a lot of the same ones too. But there's like posters for rock bands like The Bash, yeah, or, which is very obviously a play on The Clash, yeah. or like some hippie Led Zeppelin analog. But like going through like the bookstores is fun because or there's this toy store that has like Uncharted the board game, Jack yeah. and Daxter the oh, board game. I totally missed that. That's, That's awesome. Really awesome. Yeah, and like in the houses, you'll go into like the kids' room and they'll have like movie posters up on the wall and stuff. Yeah, and and like I, and like I said, so much of that stuff is original. Like they don't just reuse that. Um, you know, like yeah, they might reuse posters and stuff, but like you know, the way houses are designed and and the way rooms are laid out and the way things are just kind of strewn about. It's not mm-hmm. just reused, you know, it's not like, it, it's like, yeah, you might be reusing assets to a certain degree, but they're used in a completely different way in which, you know, you look at them differently. Like when you go into that house and you, you know, pillage through all the things, it's just like you can sort of build your own little story in your mind of like, what the mm-hmm. hell happened here? Yeah. And just on a technical level, it's like, how the hell did they cram all this into the RAM? Like, yeah, it's, it's, these- it's amazing that they've got like just so much... Like, Oh god, man. that game. <laughs> Fuck. So I can kind of forgive kind of the awkward loading zone stuff because for the few big open areas that they do, it's like very so dense. Yeah, like, there's you can just like in that particular area, if, I, if I'm picturing the same like I was there like 30 minutes just poking around everything. Yeah. It's just a nice kind of mm-hmm. exploratory moment. Mhm. Man, mm. yeah, the environmental the environmental storytelling in that game feels <laughs> like it really actually meshes with the story it's trying to tell. Because there's a lot of those beats in Half Life. Again, we can compare it with Half Life too, <laughs> where like there's a bunch of those beats, but um, it doesn't like directly come directly intertwine with Gordon's journey or the player's journey in the same way as some in in Last of Us. Yeah. So one of the key things to note about Bill's town is that um, Bill, the character in the game that you're going to meet uh, in hopes to uh, get a working uh, truck to maybe speed you along on your way, he's um, kind of a paranoid, um, not for bad reason, no, <laughs> not at individual. All. <laughs> um, and so he's set the town up. He's rigged it with uh, trip wires and um, sound traps and snares and things it's it's really like the sin's fortress of the game not yeah. not, <laughs> not not really but um you, you are in a in a couple of situations where okay you you are going to have to throw a brick at a trip wire to be able to cross this point and um it's just really funny to me playing through that it's like so now that i've disarmed all his traps um he's basically like got all these areas wide open for infected invasion <laughs> it's just funny to me it's like so what was the aftermath of this it's like do we get to see bill stories later where he's like going back it's like ah oh, fucking joel setting up his traps back up <laughs> i liked bill as a character though he was very entertaining um just yeah it was fun to have him have him along for the ride and drag him into my mess and just him like, getting more and more annoyed with it. I like the detail at the end where you find, I think, the journal of his previous kind of partner. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I fucking hate that guy. I hope he dies or something like oh, that. Oh, that was, that was heart-wrenching. Yeah. And he reads it and he's like, well, fuck you too. Well, fuck you too, buddy. <laughs> <sighs> so, John, you want to take, yeah? some- take us somewhere on The Last of Us journey? 
Um, sure. Where's what, good for what you? Come, um, what what comes after the big the um big town segment? That was a really cool area. After that comes um Pittsburgh. It gotcha. Like the bandits and the tanks and crazy shit. Oh god, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the um. Is that when we get introduced to um, oh, the two ca- the other two other characters who Henry die horribly? Henry and Sam. Henry and Sam. Oh my god! Yeah, they they come slightly after that, just before um, you go to uh, Tommy's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pitts. Well, Henry and Sam are obviously like a pretty potent little side section of that whole game. I oh, remember yeah. the, the thing where um, the kid picks up the toy and puts it in his backpack. That's really that's cute. And the other and the other guy says, "You don't do that. We can't we can't um, weigh ourselves down." And just all the little layers going on with those two characters in like such a small in little small gestures like that was really clever. Was it Boner that compared them to um, Michael and Walt? Yeah, it's like I was. <laughs> so it had been a year since I played the game, or no, more than a year, and then I. Um, I got to it and it's like, oh, I totally forgot these characters are in the game. Oh, it's it's and it's Michael from Lost and yeah, it's like I I had made the connection the first time I played it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, wow. so, it's so similar. I know. Yeah, there are some. There are definitely some connections you can draw there. So I just want to the thing that stands out for Henry and Sam for me is like it's they they really do parallel Joel and Ellie just in that it's like you've got like a very pragmatic older character with um, with a younger one who um, while while Sam isn't as fiery as Ellie, um, you know, once they meet, she's kind of she kind of um has that influence on him. Like, you know, be a kid. It's not yeah. just all like gloom and doom or whatever. Um, but the way Joel re- plays off the, the pair is kind of interesting just to get into Joel's psychology because, you know, at, we don't get a whole lot of um, conflict in the game where it's like survivor versus survivor. I mean, we've got um, Joel and Ellie trying to survive and then we've just got raiding bandits who are total, um, you know, barbarian bastards. You don't get a whole lot of, well, maybe maybe these characters that we're going to run up against, you know, are people, too, who are fully realized, and they're just trying to survive, and they have to do some horrible things. Um, and that's that's really the only glimpse we get of that. And so, of course, they, they come into violent conflict at first, but then they're like, okay, maybe we got to work together. Yeah. Um, and then it gets to the point where they got to escape from the city and um, uh, Joel and Ellie, well, Joel gets left behind and Ellie goes back to help Joel. But uh, Henry, Henry goes, um, yeah, you, you, you can make it on your own. We're going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So. So what ends up happening is um, Joel and Ellie almost drown and Henry ends up saving them. But once Joel regains consciousness, he goes on pound town on Henry just because of his. Yeah. Caveman uh, violent reaction, and Henry's like, "It's like, no, you had a good chance of surviving." And it's like, "Oh, right, maybe, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't murder the person who just saved me." <laughs> I really just like how that played off, and um, there were a couple of points later in the game where I was like, "You know, this could have this could have gone like a really dark place." Um, like instead of if it was just a bunch of like um, the same four or five faceless uh, bandit models um, who, you know, we're really supposed to hate. Like, what if it was just like a family defending their turf here? I'm, I'm thinking heavily, not to jump too far ahead, but the uh, the part where there's a sniper 
um, and you you have to make your way um, up into the building to take the sniper out. It's like you know how differently would have play- this have played out if it had been like a Full Metal Jacket moment where it's just like a kid trying to um, you know defend their home turf from yeah. the invaders. Yeah. Oh God. That could have really gone to some dark places. Um, mm-hmm. Woo. That's chilling. And um, just another. Uh, observation so um the bandit models that you fight in the game are all men um they, that's another thing they don't tackle um how they would handle that deftly um having uh, women characters in that role um i mean it's it's like it's like the you either go all out with something like that or you don't because there's going to be backlash on from either yeah, either way you from go. either viewpoint anyway um but just just the whole aspect of it's a horrible world that causes maybe you know inherently good people to have to do some shitty things it's um maybe that's outside of the scope of this game but uh i think henry and sam do kind of underline like you know maybe maybe it's not all as black and white as as um as sometimes it's presented to be even though you are playing as such a bastard character in that of joel I think they underscore that with the ending and the fireflies really effectively mm. and all the, all of the little broiling ambiguity going on there kind of yeah hits a lot of those notes really effectively. Oh, we'll get to that ending. Oh, uh, that ending. <laughs> all I've got written for the ending is holy shit, shit. <laughs> Basically. Damn. Uh, so, uh, and, and unfortunately, that 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 storyline there ends. Yeah, yeah, really. It has its. Uh, it's the the. Um, oh look, he was bitten. Yeah, he was bitten and, did, and lied about it. Moment, but they and again they they go through all of these kind of rote moments, mm-hmm. but they um they just don't dwell on them. They don't like go look at how cool we are for pulling this thing off they they just kind of effortlessly yeah, they don't move punctuate through things. it and the punctuation becomes them not punctuating it mhm exactly and that, that right after that is the next um big cut before the next area Which and is it's really dam. effective yeah oh yeah it's like you was talking about how the game doesn't give you time to kind of reflect on what happens and this is the big moment where like, is it Sam is the adult? Henry's and, the adult. Oh, so Henry, like, shoots himself, and then, like, a second later, it just cuts to black. It just cuts, and, and then fall. Fall. And I'm just like, what, what? just <laughs> happened? Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, all right, next, th- next thing we need to do. And there's a little bit of optional dialogue, and I touched on it earlier, but um, so once you're making your way to Tommy's on that mountain path, you can find a child's grave. Yeah. And um oh. if you go up if you go up to it um Joel makes a comment it's like oh this grave's too damn small and then Ellie says something about so um you want to talk about what happened with Henry and Sam and he's like no shit happens we move on that was just kind of like the whole the game's whole theme and storytelling with its uh with its abrupt uh-huh. cuts to black and then title card next next um chapter. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah, sounds about right. So brilliant. So that well done. So jarring though cuz like you you could get over the fact that they did the cut to 20 years later, but then you thought the whole game was kind of going to be one consistent ride, and then nope, like abrupt as hell cut yeah, mm-hmm. to fall. I mm-hmm. really like that, though. It's yeah. just something video games don't really ever do, like trying to be this one cohesive thing, but then intentionally having these in- intentionally 
abrupt moments like that. Yep. Just mm-hmm. jump you forward. I mean, we start with we started all the way back with Super Mario Brothers, where everything was split up into <laughs> levels, and Mega Man is all split up into levels, and so Sonic the Hedgehog is all split up into levels. There's just so Sonic. Then, so then you have. Well, wait, we started we started with Atari games, where everything's just one board, and it's about <laughs> getting a high score. <laughs> so so then we get to stuff like Half Life and Another World and Eco and whatever, where. It's like, oh, now we're telling one continuous story, and it just moves forward like a rope from beginning to end, continuously, and that's obviously really potent. And then yeah. it feels like Last of Us has been just kind of wants to have that rope, but it it knows the perfect moments to when to it. break. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It knows when to you. It's just like how. Um, we have a bunch of games that are with dumb cutscenes, and then we have Half Life, and it has no cutscenes. And then Last of Us is like, it's Just mature really, enough. Yeah, it's mature enough to know how to use these devices in ways that are effective. So it takes away control from you every now and then. It splits up the um, action from moving from one beat continuously to the next. It splits that up in smart ways, and that's amazing. I think. There's this game on Steam called 30, Fights, 30 Flights of Loving mm-hmm. that I haven't played, but people say it's, like, one of the only uses of, like, a jump cut in a video game they've ever seen. Yeah, and like, I played it. That's what the moments in The Last of Us remind me of, where it just abrupt as hell cuts to months later. Like, mm-hmm. you just don't see that ever. Mm-hmm. 30 Flights of Loving is, like, um, an interesting, like, experiment, I think, in how to use these kind of devices in a game. I, I wasn't able to re- like really parse a um, story that connected with me out of the experience, but I found the devices that they were experimenting with to be very interesting. Yeah. And I think you're right that Last of Us is an example of those kind of devices being used effectively in the context of a really um, emotionally investing story. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. they're taking cinematic devices and actually kind of properly applying them for once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, we're a cinematic game and not really. Yeah. And, and, has- and by the typical definition of cinematic game, it just means we've got a lot of cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even then it doesn't really feel like it has that many cutscenes, does it? They, no. I never felt like overloaded at all. No, with any this, of those. The game tries to keep you in control as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that Uncharted 2 did that it was kind of like, okay, this is the kind of game they're trying to make now, is it gives you a lot of those um, contextualized prompts. Like, for example, um, when he's in the train cars that are about to fall off the mountain and you've got to make your way um, through those um, mm-hmm. and press the button at the prompt. I, I hesitate to call them quick time events, but that's the kind of thing that we've started seeing. And, hey, back to Resident Evil 4. But... <laughs> And then they throw one of those at you, like, really late in The Last of Us, like in the last chapter when there's the subway cars, like, in the submerged um, underwater tunnel. And I'm like, okay, they just couldn't. They had to throw at least one of these big Oh, that's a bummer. They couldn't resist. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was maybe a little tacky. That's what I think of, though, when I think cinematic game and Naughty Dog. Like, not so much trying to make it a movie, but to, like, put you in this universal theme park ride of, you know, here's this disaster situation, and now you got to press triangle um, at this part to move yourself a little bit further through it. Mm-hmm. 
or like your mashing triangle to open the vent quickly or something. Yeah. yeah. I remember people saying that the first like 30 minutes or whatever of Portal 2 felt like a theme park ride. And I remember getting that vibe. And I feel like Last of Us maybe is something that's kind of transcending beyond those kind of that kind of engagement. Yeah. In a cool way. A lot of linear games do kind of fall into that. Like, we're showing you the set pieces. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in the, the university has the, um, really pretty moments where the the nature overtaking humanity thing those are some of my favorite like that entire sequence uh that that entire sequence in the university is probably my favorite visual theme of the entire game Mm -hmm. it's it's um that idea of like nature's overtaking humanity and maybe that's not such a bad thing (laughs) yeah yeah you know you you get those really quiet moments to to Mm -hmm. look at very awesome things mm-hmm. yeah last of us denies you catharsis but it does not deny you like moments of quiet it's it's not a continuous like level of noise right which a lot of games can do do that it's very it's a, dynamic yeah it's a very dynamic experience it's just that it never like it's like a song that never comes back to the tonic note yeah. where it gives you that release um, yeah. It just keeps kind of building on the dissonance throughout the whole experience. Damn good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I like that. So yeah. what do you guys think? So, so Rhett Boner, University? Thoughts? Um, uh, I like making my way through the dorms and just reading the logs and like seeing how, like, okay, the people hold up in here and uh, how things went down. Yeah. Um, that and to backpedal a little bit, the um, the... The sewers that you make your way through with Henry and Sam, like, right before the suburbs, you're reading the logs of that um, Ishikawa guy and, like, the whole town they set up in the sewers and just, like... um, Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah, and it really, like, leaves it to yourself to, like, peace out, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, how how these people reacted to this whole situation, like, it's not just, we're not just seeing... um, Ellie and Joel, I mean, we're, we're reading it, like, third person and much later after the fact, but it's like... It it really pays to like take your time and explore those parts to like get that just that little bit out of the atmosphere of the game and be like okay well these people made it through or you know in the case of the university it's like okay this is how like they were holed up and they were kind of like reacting to uh, this whole situation with no contact to the outside world and everything just all went to hell and that just creeped me the fuck out like reading those logs and journals and shit just like I got so uncomfortable because it's just trying to imagine being in a situation where you have no contact with the outside world and, and this terrible terrible shit is happening all the time and it's just like it's like, how do you not go insane in a situation like that? Mm-hmm. But, well, according to one of those logs, uh, one of the girls found some weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a fun place, like, definitely, uh, to go looking through logs in this dorm. Spend your time there. Uh, there's not a lot of combat there. And... Well, there is There is one or two bullshitty, like, um, infected infested yeah they're they're there every once in a while but it's just sort of like but but that that area for the most part is is a lot of just like taking you know drinking it in you know you're here you know hoping to find the lab that you were originally told about which turns out to well these fuckers packed up that's also where you get the flamethrower for the first time right yeah uh 
so good. <laughs> I thought it was really cheesy. There's one part where you like fall through the floor and all of a sudden there's fungus everywhere and oh, time for a stealth zombie section. Like it's kind of, it's kind of abrupt and forced and felt like Yeah, I, I think that they probably thought like, you know, we're getting a little too quiet. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they just you know felt like that there was a yeah need to like there has to be an action beat every like you know couple of uh, maps or you know, whatever and, and like I'd really love to know like what testing was like for this game or like how it went through you know the whole executive thing of was like well mm-hmm. this isn't really Uncharted you're not giving us Uncharted why is this game all quiet and emotional and stuff mm-hmm. yeah the fact that the game shows as much restraint as it does I think is something that's really really commendable. I have a feeling they listened to like testers playback and probably just went no, like <laughs> yeah, they it's probably like, had to just parse what to throw out. Like this is junk. Like we're not listening much, to this. There's too much quiet here. I need. I kind of <laughs> bored. And then they're just like, yeah. well, fuck that guy, <laughs> fuck that guy, fuck that guy. Ignore <laughs> the clickers are the clickers are too hard. They are insta kill me. <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> okay, if that guy's not that guy is not on the project anymore. <laughs> it's just like that that level of being able to just have confidence in their own vision. And that's the thing. This game is confident as fuck. It knows what it's doing. Like, I mean, I don't think that a lot of AAA games have that kind of confidence anymore. Um, But this Mm -hmm. is like one of the first games in a long time that I'd played where I felt like these guys knew what the fuck they were doing. This is a master class in how to make a really good AAA game. Um, Exactly. And, and you know what? They, they have. There's this. Um, you constantly hear. I think a virtue with AAA games is the idea that this game doesn't take itself too seriously, right? And with like Saints Row and all of your um, really great um, silly games, basically Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. <laughs> it doesn't take itself too seriously, and that is a virtue. But it's not, or rather, that isn't a virtue. In its own right, I think it's it's only considered a virtue because so many AAA games have that dour self-seriousness without actually earning it like Last of Us does. There you go. So that's where this whole idea of it doesn't take itself too seriously as an inherent virtue comes from, is that games will present themselves as dour and grim like Last of Us, but never actually go to the legwork to earn that in a meaningful way. Nailed it. So, are we ready? Are we ready to go to the area that I know everybody wants to talk about? Mm -hmm. I'll just say right here: I think this is kind of the moment where I think that this section is probably where Last of Us is elevated into something really special. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think without this, our our hero of the day, Mister Joel, does not end up in too great a shape by the end of the university episode. Um, I thought he was dead. Uh, I thought he was too. I was like, just like, wait, what? Like, you know, wait, they I didn't. Thought, wait, I thought oh, that they had, I yeah, he's they, not coming back from that. I thought they, <laughs> I, and like the way that they make, like, the way that they make you like march out as him, like just completely bleeding out and falling all over the place, and like you're in control, but you're not. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't keep. You can't keep him steady. He keeps falling down, and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh my god! Like, so wh- this is kind of a this is kind of a dumb gaming moment that everybody points to as like um, a poor decision all around. But it reminded me of the microwave tunnel in Metal Gear Solid Four. 
In a way, yeah. but I <laughs> it's think it's just like this agonizing crawl. But like, it's really poignant and emotive instead of just stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 micro- the microwave tunnel was the stupidest fucking shit. Yeah, um, this, but, this is basically like a device that video games have understood for a very long time now. Like the very end of another world, where you're crawling towards the switch. Yeah, um, and it's super tense. And then there's games that just pull that without actually building it into the story in a meaningful way. Um, See Metal Gear so, Solid Four. Metal Gear Solid Four. So I think this thread that we got with Last of Us is that it understands all of these very simple devices there's none nothing in last of us is like something that we didn't know before right it's just that it takes them all and weaves them together into a way that makes so much sense yeah so can i just do one side thing there's like towards the end of sleeping dogs Mm -hmm. you played that right yeah probably you get like really really beat up oh yeah yeah similar to i remember this where you're like bleeding out, walking forward, and then some enemies come up, and you just go into like the normal combat. And that it's just is like, so fucking well, dumb. <laughs> he, he what just, are you even doing it for? <laughs> he just gets better, and you play the rest of the game as if it's nothing like, happened. As why if didn't they happens. use a phoenix down on Eris? <laughs> <laughs> Revengeance, Revengeance has their has their big um, uh, these hands have killed moment where he's oh, staggering God. along, not yeah. able to do anything too. Yeah, <laughs> but um. You know, like John said, The Last of Us takes that kind of moment. Um, and when, you know, like, you're leaning on Ellie and you're trying to, like, stumble your way out, you don't know where the fuck you're going. You just know you gotta get there. And it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we end up with, you know, after, you know, Joel falls over and we think, oh shit, he's, he's done. Mm-hmm. We get another jump cut. Yep. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. Winter. And you don't know if Joel is alive or not. No, and they don't they don't they don't play that hand for a little while too. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll say this, it took me like fifteen minutes to get the deer. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you <laughs> end a, up you hunt you, you end up in the middle of winter. You are now playing as Ellie. You are equipped with a bow, and you're out tracking a deer. Like, you look, and you can actually trace uh, its footprints and shit. Um, and you've got to track the deer down and stick it two or three times. Um, which, uh, yeah, that's really really cool. But that is not why this portion of the game is so good. But it's, it's not why it's, it's Red's a- favorite. Well... It no, is Red's it's favorite for one reason. Because oh, you get to on. play as a, you're playing as a little girl. But we will let. I, I want. Uh, he was so excited, like when when we were writing the original outline uh, for this episode. I asked him to do a preliminary outline for me, and the only <laughs> thing he wrote was "Winter" in all caps. And I was like, "Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate that." <laughs> so, Rhett, I'm going to let you lead the discussion here since you like yeah. this so much. Let's go, Winter. Break it down. Um, so I played, uh, how do I word this? Like I stopped playing the game one night, very, very close to the end of the university chapter, Mm -hmm. like right when those guys attack you and then you get injured as Joel. Mm -hmm. So I played that and all of winter in just one sitting. Damn. And it was just like an entire roller coaster. 11 out of 10, like <laughs> people make the claim of like cinematic gaming all the time. And it just felt like the one true realization of that. Like I felt like I had played 
the greatest episode of a TV show ever or something like yeah. just this mm-hmm. one start to finish roller coaster that just did not let up until it said mm-hmm. spring on the screen. Because all and told, then, it's not that long of a chapter gameplay-wise, but there's so many things happen in it. It's just... And, and it's just <sighs> so impactful. It just... Mm-hmm. it Right. It's, it's all the systems working in perfect harmony together to yeah. deliver this one singular vision and story of what happens in it. Mm-hmm. So after It really does have that same kind of level of constant intensity of like and like purposefulness of like a breaking bad episode. It's it's almost I hesitate like to use this term. It's almost like an omake episode. Like like for overarching plot, not that much important happens. Like as far as them getting um, getting to their ultimate goal, it doesn't really move that thread along. But all the character moments in that just like it's Oh, it's so... I mean, if you excised that, the game would just yeah. lose something. Yeah, this is the chapter where Ellie comes into her own. You know, like, mm-hmm. she becomes... You know, she becomes someone with purpose, um, you know, beyond, you know, just being, you know, cargo. Um, mm-hmm. Damn. It's so... So, cool. when I got the flamethrower in the university level, mm-hmm. and then that was, like, the last item on the crafting bench... Uh-huh. I thought the game was almost over. <laughs> and it is and it is kind of like Boner said where if say the fireflies were still in the lab, like the game could have kind of ended there. Yeah. But would have been a million times lesser for Less it. Impactful. Yeah. Because I think having the winter chapter and having it kind of be the standalone showpiece of like everything. Yeah. Is, I feel like Last of Us without the winter chapter is like Chrono Trigger without zeal. Ooh. Yeah. Damn. Kind of I would agree. Yeah. 255% on you there. It's it's the thing where it goes from being like a backwards looking refinement of a bunch of old older concepts into something that is genuinely like elevated and special and a little bit transcendent. And yeah. I think that's kind of what Zeal does for Trigger and I think that's what the Winter Chapter does for um, Last of Us. Ooh. So after snagging your deer, you run into uh you happen to run into somebody. Who was that, Moner? That was uh, David. Mm-hmm. Who uh, is... Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so you run into David, who is, um, by all outward appearances, an affable guy who um, he says, you know, hey, we really need this deer. Um, we got a whole lot of hungry women and children. And Ellie's like, yeah, well, so do I. Um, obviously lying. Um, he's like, well, maybe we can trade you for it. And it's like, she's not trusting him at all, but he wants to help her through this situation. And so they, uh, they encounter a bunch of, uh, infected and make it through that. And a couple of those four shooting segments. And then, um, this, then later on this nice apple guy in a cutscene tips his hand. It was like, yeah, well, um, you know, we lost a lot of good men, uh, to this, this crazy old man, uh, who was accompanied by a little girl, uh, uh, oh, uh, and like when that when he starts and your butthole that just talk. clenches when he utters that line. Yeah, when he yeah. started that talk, like I immediately felt like my stomach flip. I was like, oh god, uh oh, this can't end well at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weird th- the thing isn't so much that you're surprised that David doesn't turn out to be a hundred percent kosher. It's that you're surprised just how deep it goes down how just vile it gets <laughs> oh god 
So this is why I would be dead in a zombie apocalypse right away, because I totally trusted that guy until that line. Oh, I, oh, I trusted too. him, too. I did, too. I'm like, oh, well, he's just being paranoid. This guy's fine. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, by the way. I mean, for a guy voiced by Nolan North, you'd think he's totally okay. Oh, mm-hmm. that's Nolan North. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the hero of Uncharted. Yeah. And just like that range to hit that kind of character and just in that kind of role. And just like, you know. Yeah, because cause I think we'll agree that Drake speaks with a broadcast voice. And yeah. David is a very, he, a, a very backwards, um, almost southern sounding guy. He's a guy. backwards, southern, snivelly kind of guy. Oof. Well, he played the penguin, right? Mm, in, yeah. No, that yeah, was Arkham Danny City. DeVito. Oh, well, I'm not. <laughs> Or Burgess Meredith. Mm-hmm. So, um, going back to the comparisons with The Walking Dead, remember how, like, big a deal it is when it turns out that they're eating people yeah. in The Walking Dead? Yeah. How that's, like, the set piece of the episode, and mm-hmm. maybe, like, one of the best episodes in there is how, um, I yeah, I'd argue that episode two is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Well, um, like, just how like the winter chapter. Like the winter chapter, it's the standalone one where mm-hmm. it doesn't impact the greater story, but it's still really good on its own. And yeah, you can kind of feel the impact resonate throughout the rest of it. And I, I remember like the big beat where um, with with Walking Dead, when she like is walking up the stairs and the thunder's crashing and the zombie of the man she killed is coming up and then bites her in the back of the neck. And it's this big poetic everything coming together yeah. moment. And it's the kind of thing you just don't see in The Last of Us because it doesn't want you to feel that <laughs> complete um, closure. Yeah. Um, so cannibalism and, is, you know, yeah. a centerpiece <laughs> in The Last of Us as well. Yeah. But it's not, it's almost not really even really dwell on it, though. It's no, just it's just like, it's oh, like, it's... Oh, that's fucked up. All right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just on. like, among all of the other fucked up things I'm seeing in this game... Trust me, this isn't the worst. Yeah, and, and there's this, there's this one. So there's this one part where um, they're in the butcher, and Ellie's like, or yeah, yeah, Ellie's trying to make her way out, and David's pursuing her, and it's like you bump into a carcass, and you're like, that's not a okay, that's a pig carcass. Never mind, that's good. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good fake uh, out. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, and can- Last of Us cannibalism is just like. A thing that happens, and you don't talk about it, and you move on. And, and and the way that the gameplay all gets drawn together in that entire sequence, you know, from, like, you know, escaping to, like, the final confrontation uh, that you have to have with David uh, as Ellie. Yeah. It's just, oh, my God. It all pulls together so well. It's like a perfect DLC episode or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, the David confrontation is maybe the best singular action scene. Yeah. Or at least one of the best singular action scenes I can think of in a video game, at least in a video game of this type. It is intense as fuck. Uh, So the first time I played it, I had quite a bit of difficulty with it, um, and I was really dreading doing it a second time. Uh Uh-huh. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of the Vulcan Raven in Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, it's, it's very you don't have the, the remote-controlled Nikita missiles. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's a really intense fight, too. <laughs> so um, when, I, when I redid it on my playthrough, um, 
I, I scored one hit on him, and then I goofed, and he um, he knifed me, and so then my auto saved like plopped him like just walking around the corner. So I was able to like get like score two hits on him um, like really easily, and I was like over with it real quick. I was like, that's it. Yeah, so I think it was just game... one of those things where the game just the game's own. Um, mechanics i guess just like threw me out yeah yeah you kind of lose the intensity of like trying to creep up behind him and it's just like it's not easy to do um Mm -hmm. but yeah well when he suddenly dashes towards you that's the first time that's creepy and also when you hit him in the back with the um because the game is so grounded when you actually manage to land the the um machete or whatever it is on him Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take him out Oh god. It doesn't feel like a cheesy movie monster moment. It feels no. like he's just a really fucking off the wall dude. Yeah, this guy is fucking whacked. Uh-huh. And just it just makes it a really scary effective moment and it only works because the rest of the game is so low key. A big like him pulling the machete out of his back or whatever he does wouldn't is such a big moment because of the rest of the game's tone, I think. So I just want to back up for a minute because this is something I actually missed through my first playthrough and it just really stuck out with me um, in this whole sequence leading up to that encounter. So Ellie's got to make her way through the town in this huge, like, snowblind, um, like, downpour of a blizzard. Yeah. Um. And <clears throat> so there's this one part where you make your way into a shop and there's all these um, human enemies and uh, David's there and you can hear them talking and... Um, he says, uh, you hear him say, the girl, she's infected. And then, um, and then there's a woman there, and she says, oh, we got to get the children to safety. And, and Ellie just goes, fuck. And yeah. Like, so, like, when David says, you know, we got a lot of hungry women and children, it's like, was he telling the truth? And then, like, you think about it a little bit more, and it's like, but this guy, he's like, he does all these fucked up things. And then he's like, he's responsible for protecting you know all these all these innocents and i'm just like it just kind of underscores again how you know like i was talking about earlier with henry and sam it's like you might have um people who are just trying to survive and maybe aren't necessarily good or evil come into conflict and then like you're basically going around killing all these people who are pretty sick and they're led by a sick bastard but then there's this whole other side you don't see and it's just like barely hinted at that maybe you know he was telling the truth about having a lot of hungry women and children who could sure use that deer yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. it's an interest like that moment like you know just like ellie overhearing that conversation because i thought it was just full of shit once i got captured as well i I completely missed it the first time i oh damn when i saw it i was like holy fuck i didn't know this was in the game (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. it's like when i caught that i was like oh yeah i had that same conflict of like oh my god it's just like yeah i guess people gotta do what they gotta do but what constitutes too far in a world that's kind of lawless now Mm mm-hmm I think, like, when you're, after you have that first initial meetup with him, and then you go back to t- to check on Joel, mm-hmm. and then they show up, and they roll up with, like, a hundred dudes or something, and, like, yeah. you're, you're riding around on the horse trying to escape from them. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of broke my immersion a bit, because it's like, oh, you guys are really pissed. Like, yeah, almost uncharted kind of comically large number yeah it's like you're telling me someone could not have gotten a shot off on her 
And how much manpower are we going to expend on two yeah. people like who who have already like been demonstrated to have waxed off almost all of your guys? Yeah, that's what I'm more thinking of. Just like leave it fucking alone. Like, why mm-hmm. do you have to get them so badly? But you're going to burn your whole town down <laughs> instead. Yeah. And Oof. It, can we just talk about how good her stealth kill is? Oh my god! Just like <laughs> jump up and stab, fuck, stab. But it's realistic. Like she is a girl of minuscule stature. She, how else is she going to take down someone? You know, that's a good foot and a half taller than her. You're gonna. And she jump? goes to town on him too. She's just like Joel. Like shivs him like right in the neck, and she's done. She's like, yeah. It's like a prison shiving. Yeah, she just goes to town. That's so great. But I still like doing it. <laughs> it's like, I enjoyed it. Sue me. I'm a monster. Yeah. <clears throat> so when she got captured, and then it cuts back to Joel, and you're playing as him now. You I thought was so he was, you think he was going to be the one to make the rescue? Yeah, I was so like, oh. Are we? I, I was so let down. I was like, oh, come on. I was so glad then it shifts back to her and then you have, like, the boss fight and stuff. Yeah. Uh And how you kind of kept jumping back and forth as they got closer and closer to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that was just really neat. Yeah. I mentioned Chrono Trigger a minute ago with Zeal and, like, Mm -hmm. Chrono Trigger almost never pulls that thing where it's, like, swapping perspectives except in the Ocean Palace. Yeah. When you're crawling down through in there and it's cutting back and forth between your characters and Shala. Yeah. It down in the basement, so that's kind of the same deal with Last of Us, where it's 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 drawn you in so much that it can afford to um, make this um, more abstract cut, these more abstract cuts, and you'll stay engaged because um, you're you've been so invested up to this point, yeah. and it leads to a much greater effect. Oh God! And even then, like I expected Joel to be the one that killed yeah. Henry. Yeah, and he wasn't. David. I, I lo- <laughs> David. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm glad they let Ellie have that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. not just because, oh, I want to see a little kid murder someone, but it's just because, like, she. Oh, she fucking wails on him, too. God. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It feels so good, but then it feels. And then you suddenly realize how horrible this is, and then all and that the- you get is just a moment of. Like, that's one of the only, like, nice moments is just um, Joel shows up, and all they can do is, like, just offer her that pull her back and kind of offer that that moment of comfort. Yeah. And then the last shot in that chapter is like the shaky cam like pans off of them and onto the machete hilt just like sticking out of, you know it's sticking out of uh, David's corpse just off mm-hmm. camera. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. So affecting. The, uh, yeah. I think um, I feel like the, la- the fight with um, David is a moment in a video game where everything kind of comes together, where the storytelling and the systems and all of the aesthetic touches and the acting are all coming together in a singular way. And it feels like the closest thing, um, as an action scene, it feels like the closest thing we have to like, um, the, some of the action scenes in like a Coen brothers movie, like in the middle of no country for old men. <laughs> Or yeah. um, yes. or like the climax to Empire Strikes Back, where mm-hmm. Luke is fighting with Darth Vader, and it's all this little character intrigue and just genuinely interesting action, and it's involving on every possible level, um, considering the mediums, the media involved. Definitely, and 
God, that's so fucking cool, isn't it? <laughs> Ugh. Winter. This is a really good game. Winter. Fucking winter. Just fucking God. winter, huh? Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I died my first time on that fight, but then I did it the second time, and it was just like played out perfectly where it's just like you're sneaking up on him and you want to get him and then you stab him and he's oh shit he's not dead yeah mm-hmm. the building kind of continues to get more and more burned as <laughs> yeah. oh god like, the fire I, th- that's when I like just burnt like got s- kind of jumped up in my chair when I was playing it because all this is happening and the fire is just slowly building around you and that's such like a common device is the fire building up around you yeah and it's used to such perfect effect. It's so good. Oh, it's so damn good. And then you win and she's just like stabbing him the face over and over just, saying like, fuck ugh. you, fuck you. Oh my god, it's mm-hmm. such... They don't mm-hmm. let you have many cathartic moments in, the yeah. ga- in that game, but they let you have that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, I was right there with her. I was like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you. Fuck you. <laughs> uh. Oh, and 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 it's really good that following that chapter, um, they don't drag the game out any longer than it needs to. No, they jump right in, like right after that scene. We are given our uh, one of our final jump cuts into uh, the final dungeon, into the quote-unquote <laughs> final dungeon, which is the Firefly Lab, which is well, we're delivering Ellie to where she needs to be. But it turns out, well, you probably saw it coming at some point, but it turns out to do what they need to do... To save the human race. To save the human race, to quote-unquote, because we're not even sure if these idiots know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> I really got the impression that they didn't. Yeah. Um, just, just from the logs in the uh, the lab that they had at the Colorado University. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, your final uh, objective is to uh, you have to rescue Ellie because in order for them to do what they need to do, it requires her dying, which they're going to do without you know giving her a choice in the matter. Uh, it's a medical sort of institution uh, that they're going to you know they're basically going to cut her brain open and study it to figure out like if you know the fact that she is immune or seemingly immune. To this uh, infection, um, uh, they're going to cut her brain open, and, and they don't give her any choice in the matter. They knock her out, and then um, and well, then, you make and your way through Salt Lake it. City, and um, like I was talking about that um, forced um, flooded subway sequence. Um, so um, something we haven't touched on is uh, Ellie cannot swim. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, I like in order that. to traverse her through. Uh, watery parts you have to put her on a pallet <laughs> something and, that she makes uh at least a little fourth wall breaking comments about it's like uh joel find a pallet and it's like hey ellie and she's like i know get on the fucking pallet <laughs> 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 but after making your way through um a subway tunnel full of infected in a scene that has uh two bloaters no less and yep. the second time through i just flamethrowed those fuckers because it felt so good to finally be yeah. able to do so um, narrative wise, um, they, they get knocked out in this, um, underground river, uh, drowning situation and they're, uh, recovered by the fireflies who, uh, then, um, whisk, uh, whisk Ellie away to be operated upon. And Joel is, um, Joel reunites with, uh, Marlene leader of the fireflies who we saw very early in the game. 
Yeah. And their conversation kind of like sets up the whole last action sequence of yeah. The uh, Last of Us. It's basically, you know, you can either get the fuck out of here and go along your way and forget about everything that's happening here or we're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And they don't give you an arbitrary choice in the matter because no. the game knows what Joel would do. Yeah. So the only choice you have is to act that out, yep. which is the smart way to handle that. Or you could just stop playing the game right there. Or you could stop playing the game. Right that, <laughs> yeah. Pretend that's, that every, they saved humanity. Hooray. Emergent gameplay. <laughs> yeah. There's a butt ton of games that end on like kind of an arbitrary choice. Yeah. There's a ton like, of games that do that. Yeah. 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 Like on um, Far Cry 3. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Half-Life 1 ends on that, but Gordon Freeman isn't really a character, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> but like, um, if Last of Us had offered some bullshit choice as to like do you want to leave ellie then it would just under undermine everything that they'd set out to do it'd be like i remember asking one time like what if the ending to metroid 2 was that you could choose whether or not to kill the baby metroid Ooh ah like any power that that those kind of scenes have is undermined if you just don't actually take a position I feel like right, which is what those two, which is what those games do, is take a position. This is what this character would do. Fuck what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, as we've stated many times, you're not Joel. Yep. Yeah, you're along for the ride. Um, mm-hmm. You're controlling Joel. You're getting Joel to his destination, but he is his own agent in the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and when you murder those surgeons, uh, oh, that's uh, when. That's when you. That's when that disconnect, you are not Joel, becomes the clearest. So yeah. that whole that whole action sequence leading up to it was one that I dreaded redoing on my second playthrough, just as how many times I died to it, because it's full-on Metal Gear mode there. It's like you are in an unwinnable situation, swarmed with guards, and you finally do get an assault rifle at this point <laughs> in the game, but they throw so many dudes at you, and it's, it's kind of a... It's not a convoluted map, but it's kind of like, okay... Um, so I, I do want to kind of explore around and get these last few bits of salvage items to get that last nail bomb or two off. But, mm-hmm. you know, if um, I got to I got to make my way to this one spot at the map to get, you know, into the next area. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, so what I ended up doing actually is I made it through that first initial part, then down the hallway and then into that second part where there's like kind of there's the hall where all the soldiers are hunkered up and then there's like a string of um, office spaces kind of over to the right um, perspective from where you enter the map. And every now and then one will patrol off into the offices. So what I ended up doing was choke like one or two guards that wandered into the offices. And then I just um, threw a sugar bomb like next, like right in front of the door. So to um, obscure everybody else's line of sight of me and just made it to the door. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You you really got to just like do the cheap thing to get through this part rather than go in all guns blazing as, as much as, as much as, um, as you would want to do um, to, you know, be Ellie's avenging angel and (laughs) also humanity's um, harbinger of the apocalypse. (laughs) So, so, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, I think, in terms of combat and level design, I think it's the most uninspired part of the game. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't I didn't hate it, but it was just like, mm-hmm. eh. You know. I got through it so quickly that really? I didn't really care. Yeah, I got through it pretty fast. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it gets kind of rote, but it's, 
really the combat exists in that game as like a pacing and thematic mechanism for right. like spacing out the experience and enforcing a certain sense of drama into different situations. And even if it wasn't like too interesting on like a technical craft level, it just it served its purpose for me as leading up to that climactic moment. Right. So my experience there was that in that hallway of full of zombies just before the lab section, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is the end of the game. I'm going to use all my resources. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I'm just using the flamethrower. I'm throwing the bombs. <laughs> and then I get to the part where you're fighting against soldiers now. And I'm like, save them nail bombs, bro. Yeah. Oh, shit. So I actually really liked that part. Mm. I guess mm-hmm. I was surprised to hear you guys say that that kind of fell flat for you. Because it was like, like you talk about how you're not Joel, and this was the one moment for me where it's like, not only am I not him, like I flat out do not agree with what he's doing anymore, and just like, I'm killing the good guys now. Like, mm-hmm. yep. are we going to have an argument? <laughs> <laughs> I sense an okay. impending argument. Okay, you know Maybe what's not- funny though? How much um, the conclusion to Last of Us aligns. With my just having watched Sailor Moon S. Oh, jeez. Do we have to do I'm this? I'm going to go take a bathroom break. <laughs> All right. We'll catch I'm, you folks later. We'll let John. I just want to point out the, the end of that, um, of that story. Um, you have the, the, semi, the semi-good sailor soldiers who um, argue that you have to kill the innocent girl in order to save the world from the space, space people. And... Um, Usagi like fi- literally like gets in a fight with them afterwards because they say like you you may have saved the world but you still almost fucked everybody over and then they just like beat each other up. It's pretty cool. It's just funny how that aligns with what with <clears throat> it this does align to which brings us to oh can I talk about the last hallway though sure go ahead so there was. I had a hell of a time in that first room where the guys just, like, are flooding out with assault rifles and shit. And it's just like, oh, I got this nice gun. Oh, I'm dead three seconds later. <laughs> shit. <laughs> so that last hallway was fucking hell for me because it's this, like, like Boner said, like, you can't go in guns blazing. So I did the same thing where I kind of lured a few guys into those side rooms, took them out stealthily. And then I, like, went back to the start and just started shooting at the guys to distract <laughs> them. I to back to the start. <laughs> So then they thought I was over there, but then if you wait a minute, like, they'll be like, where'd you go? And then they start patrolling again. Mm-hmm. So I took out everybody in that section. <laughs> and I'm, because I didn't know how, if, because it's the first time through the game, I don't know how much left is, there is left, oh, or if I, I'm going to have sure to, like. I took out every guy, too, my first time through the game. But the second time, I was just like, maybe I should use these useless-ass sugar bombs and, <laughs> you know, create a fog of war, so to speak. So, so I actually... Oh, yeah, so I died with, like, two guys left. My fir- Oh, no. Maybe not my first time there, but I died with, like, two guys left, and I was just like, fuck, I have to do this all over again. Because it was like, if- I was, like, fist fighting the second to last guy, and then the other one just came up and shot me. I'm, like, swearing, like, god damn it! <laughs> and let me just say, let me just say, at that part of the game, the autosaves can really fuck you if you're really low on health, and you've probably run out of uh, med kits or crafting materials to yeah. make more med kits. <laughs> I think I actually did hit an autosave with, like, no life, and it boosted me back up. Okay. But, uh... (laughs) So I'm on what ended up being my final run, where I've got literally one guy left. I'm at the door, 
and he's like facing the other way. Oh wow! And, and just to fuck with it, I threw a brick at him <laughs> and missed, and it landed directly in front of him. Oh, what was that? So he starts looking down at the floor. <laughs> so I pull out a gun and I shoot at him, and I still miss. <laughs> And he didn't turn around, so I just took, like, three shots before finally hitting him. <laughs> yeah, the, the AI can really be dumb sometimes. There was this one mm-hmm. point where I, I threw a brick at a guy. Well, I was as Ellie in the, the winter segment, um, with the part where you're in this town in the snowstorm. And um, the guy was alerted to me. And so I go and hide behind a mailbox, and he walks in front of the mailbox with me hiding right behind it. And he's like, huh, guess I'll look around over here. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I'm like, right here. I feel like uh, if you want to if you want to go over like all of the in depth little ways that um, Last of Us kind of fucks up, and just like the minor immersion yeah. moments, then I think Matthew Matosis's like forty minute rundown on YouTube is really good at that because they were he was also a person where those kind of actively hindered his enjoyment of the game, and he just tears through basically everything really really in detail and in depth, and I think that's a good. Rundown. If that's the kind of um, teardown you're interested in, I'm not. Because yeah, not me. I think yeah. they got. I don't think they fucking got in the way of my enjoyment of that story. No, no I, I don't either. Because I recognize it's a video game. I think shits like that's funny. I mean, I like it when glitches happen in games, just because it's so it's so bizarre. Um, yeah. <laughs> like when um. So in in the part just before that, when you first make it to Salt Lake City, and then uh, Ellie sees the giraffes, and um, you're kind of standing on that balcony, both looking out. And, um, so I broke away from like the, the part where the, you know, you hit L3 or whatever and the camera pans out to the drafts and then like Ellie's, um, ponytail, like those, uh, models just started wigging out and the, <laughs> the, there's like polygons <laughs> flying everywhere. Well, that broke my immersion. I forgot that this was a video game and not like actual <laughs> events. So. That's are we ready so to t- are we ready to tackle the game's conclusion yet? Uh, sure. Hold on, let me get a drink. No, I'm kidding. Also, didn't actually take a bathroom break. No, I would have. Sailor Moon S's conclusion was a little bit happier than Last of Us's. A little Just, bit. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. So ending. Ending. Our hero busts through the door where Ellie is being held. Guns down a couple of people if you choose to do so. You don't have to. So, um, I tried. I just wanted to see what would happen. You can walk up to one of them and like do a melee kill, yeah, and then not shoot the others. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, and you've got to carry her out, which is a fun little escape sequence. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Toss her in a vehicle, uh, and on your way out. You come face to face with Miss What's Her Tits again, Arlene. Yeah, I knew what her name was. I just wanted to call her Miss What's Her Tits. Right. <laughs> um, Does she have massive tits? I, I don't really think wasn't so. Paying I don't think so. Okay. I just does, any, does anyone in this game? I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> She's actually thinking about it. I was trying to. I was like, well, wait a minute. Let me run through the catalog of NPCs here. All three like. <laughs> women characters um so joel basically makes the decision for everybody um 
Oh. Ellie, the Fireflies. I mean, I mean, I, if you think that the Fireflies had, you know, any fucking clue what they were doing, humanity itself. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, I don't trust you not to come after us. And he fucking blows her, blows her guts all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's so, pretty brutal. What I it's, it's a moment most... of like him deciding for a second, like, uh. Yeah, I like this. Nah, you'll just come after us. Yeah, I love that that hesitation. It wasn't just an immediate, I walk up to you, you said a thing, and then I shot you. It was just like, thinking about it, think, boom. Mm -hmm. It's not not played as badass. It's just played as like, this is what this character would do in this moment. (laughs) What are you going to say, Reet? What I really liked about that scene is that it cuts away from the confrontation with Marlene. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, I'm like, are they just kind of going to leave it ambiguous? Like, I think the scene where Ellie wakes up and is like, what am I wearing, actually happens before you see her, Marlene, get shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it yeah. is. So, for a moment, I'm like, are they going to just kind of leave you wondering? And then it cuts back, and it's this like, no, she's dead. Boom. <laughs> like, yeah. it's really harsh, like, mm-hmm. dour, fuck you. And then we... Joel is a monster ending. And then we move forward. Um... We catch up with Ellie and Joel. Oh, where where did they end up going? I think they went back to Tommy's. It All looks right. like because they're looking out. Yeah, over that's looks right. Like a compound like what Tommy had at the hydroelectric dam. And then we have the confrontation because um, Ellie com- kind of not sure what the hell is going on here, but um, basically um, Joel gives her the story that. It turns out that there are actually a lot of people like her that, you know, can be bitten by infected and not turn. Um, and that they didn't really need her anymore, so we're just going to leave. Um, and she asks him, like, straight up to his face, you know, like, and, you know, I'll never well, bring it up. Well, before, well, she leads into it, like, you know, um, her she was out with her friend who got bitten, too, and her friend turned within days. And she figured she, she was living on borrowed time, even though she had been... Um, going on for weeks, even months at this point, mm-hmm. uh, not having turned that her time was coming eventually. Yeah. Um, and that, so you get, you kind of get the feeling that had Ellie been given a choice, she probably would have been like, yeah, um, I'm probably not going to be able to go on like this forever or, or it would only be a matter of time before I ran across a pack of bandits and I didn't get lucky this time. So if my death could mean something, I would, I would, um, given the choice, I would say, yeah, go ahead with it. Cut my brain open. Mm-hmm. But but uh, you know but and we'll get to that 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 little that little bit of conversation. But like the bit of conversation that sort of comes like where it's just like you know she, she's like I'm gonna straight up ask you you know were you telling me the truth when you told me that there were others um, you know no bullshit and he just looks her dead in the eye doesn't even hesitate lies his fucking ass off and says yep yeah I swear I swear. And hey, it's just like, and then cut to black. She no, goes, I don't even think goes, it's a okay. cut to black. She, she says okay. She, she yes, says, she says okay. okay. And but I think she knows. She knows that he's yeah. lying. There's and just she chooses to accept it. Yeah, and that's when it cuts to black. Um, and, and the thing that bothered me, the thing that bothered me, is that nobody ever gave her. Nobody stopped to ask her. You know, like, yep. what's your choice? Joel and the Fireflies both robbed yeah, her they, of her. Yeah, she was given no choose. agency in such, you know, it's like, yeah, the Fireflies might not have known what the hell they were doing, or they might have, but 
it was ultimately her decision to, to make, and she did not get to make it. Mm-hmm. So did you guys listen to um, Marlene's audio logs like leading up to that point? Mm-hmm. Um, not too much. I think I, I did, I th- but I, I don't remember, remember them too deeply. What, so what's basically, so I I think there's only two of them, but basically it's like, um, okay, we we made our way back to um, uh, to Salt Lake City. Um, you know, the smugglers we put in tr- in charge of getting Ellie here. Um, they haven't showed up yet. The uh, the rendezvous team they were supposed to meet is all dead. I think this has all been for nothing, and I feel like I'm a bad leader. And then there's another one, um, which is quite obviously recorded just after they find Joel and Ellie. Um, saying, oh, all these men's uh, deaths, talking about her fellow fireflies, were not in vain. Mm. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh. and and I don't like, you know, like, the only wrong, I think, you know, like, a lot of people like to break it down as, like, was Joel right or wrong? It's like, I don't think that's the question you should be asking. You know, mm-hmm. the bottom line is, it's just... Ellie was never given a choice, and that's the part of the conclusion that sticks out to me the most, and it's why it made me just, like, Oh damn, mm-hmm. and, and that and that just sticks with you, and the way that she just chooses, you know, she seemingly chooses to just, you know, accept the lie because you know, what more can you do at this point? Mm-hmm. You, you so, accept think the bad and move on. It's like an anti-character arc where at the very beginning his daughter dies, and so he so he st- keeps his distance from Ellie. And then he kind of takes her in as her surrogate daughter. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes so protective of that, of this new connection, that he won't even give her the opportunity to do something that could break that connection. Mm-hmm. And it takes, it takes that, um, that loss at the end and causes him and twists that into how he can into this new kind of selfishness. It's, yeah. it's really layered. So it, like, like I was saying, like Joel, um, Joel reflects like on an individual level, the breakdown of society to, from, you know, civilized, um, society to survival at all costs. But I think it starts to twist itself cause he's just been surviving for so long, like 20 years. Um, and it starts, it starts to almost turn into I'm right at all costs, you know, whether it's survival or not, because yeah. his best chance for survival and, you know, everybody's best chance for survival is any any hope of them um, finding a cure. Um, and if you have to sacrifice Ellie to do that, that's still the best chance for survival, putting aside for the moment whether the Fireflies knew what the fuck they were doing or not. But um, Joel's, Joel's mentality at this point isn't survival, but it's I'm right. So um, he's, he's right in protecting Ellie. He's right that, no, you know, she wasn't even given a choice. The Fireflies are wrong. Um, even if she was given a choice, would he still go along with it? Right. Because um, um, it, it takes me back to the winter scene where um, Ellie's seeing how fucked up David and his whole town are. And then, like, just before that, you see Joel torturing two guys to try to find out Ellie's location. And then he just, like, kills them outright, um, which is <laughs> which is almost a great scene in its own right. But it's like you kind of forget, like, how much of a bastard Joel is. You can kind of rationalize a lot of his uh, behavior um, just like through the course of, well, you know, this is a game and you know, these guys are out to kill me and I must kill them. But then when he, um, <clears throat> when he gets the guy to mark on his map where Ellie is and then kills that guy and then his buddy who's supposed to, um, you know, also point out the same thing. And he's like, no, nah, you killed him. Fuck you, man. I'm not telling you anything. He's like, okay, I believe him. And then he just like 
smashes his skull in. Yeah. Um, That's really fucked up. So so up until that point, Joel's acting on his primal instinct of not, I mean, not just survival, because um, a rational human would have... um, analyze what would be best for survival but joel joel's just at this point trying to get what he wants which is for uh, ellie to survive and them to you know go mm-hmm. about their merry way yeah he and can't when ellie suffer finally... that same loss as the beginning again he just refuses to do anything that could allow him to suffer that loss again and see what's so great about when ellie confronts him with it and then he just lies boldface to her um not even thinking about it, he's already he's already like acting on his primal instinct, and now his higher functioning brain has to do these gym, mental gymnastics um, to um, <laughs> to tell her this lie and to go along with this lie. And you can you can you can just play out in your head how this would break down from any any possible scenario they could go on to. But um, just seeing him turn from a rational human being into a, a primal, just total. Um, what is it? Id. Uh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Just, just it at work and in, in the form of a human being. It's, Ooh, it's just that those last two lines, um, yep. just underscore that whole theme and through it that that's been building up to that throughout the narrative. I think, um, um, once you, you know, once you look back at, and I, I highly recommend giving it a second playthrough. It's like knowing what happens and seeing the little things that lead up to it that you may have missed the first time. It just makes it all that more impactful. Mm-hmm. I honestly knew the broad strokes of that ending um, from listening to the bombcast and listening uh, and watching an Aaron Signal video. So I kind of was able to see a lot of that stuff leading up to those moments in the um, throughout the game, and I think it actually kind of enriched it in enrich that perspective in some ways it was interesting yeah there's one scene right before the firefly lab where ellie hands joel a picture of sarah Mm. and he says something like i guess it's true what they say you can't run from your past yep yeah because before so we we i'm sorry to (laughs) don't mean to interrupt but yeah we, we didn't really touch on the tommy part so he goes to meet his brother tommy He's running this hydroelectric dam, and he's trying to you know, like build his own little remnants of civilization. So he hands Joel the picture of Sarah first, mm-hmm. and Joel's like, nah, you keep it. I don't want to see it. So he's like, okay, well, I'll hold on to it um, for you. So that's when Ellie gets possession of it. And then when she gives it to him later at Salt Lake City, that's when he kind of um, you know, finally makes peace with it. Yeah. Uh, as you were saying. But in a way, it wasn't him making his p- peace. It was like him regressing to... <clears throat> just never wanting to suffer that loss again. Mm-hmm. So can I say my take on the ending? Go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was super interesting that you played as Ellie for that last walk. <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's three kind of key scenes that I think all tie together. There's the intro where you're playing as Sarah and... Your main kind of thought in that scene is, where's daddy? Like, daddy's going to protect me. Mm-hmm. And then there's the end of the winter chapter where you play as Ellie and you kill what's-his-face asshole. And then Joel comes and, yay, everybody's happy. We're together again. Mm-hmm. And this is really kind of one cathartic bonding moment between them. Mm-hmm. And then the ending of the game happens... And you're playing as Ellie, and you're walking behind Joel, which is, I thought was also interesting. Yeah. After you've just played as him, killing all these soldiers, the scientists, and then Marlene. 
and you're just walk. I'm just walking behind him, thinking like, this guy's a fucking psychopath. Like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I am now afraid of him. Like, he's not like the protector daddy figure and, anymore and, to me. And he is vicious her- murderer that I don't want to actually be near. Like, I think Ellie should fucking run from this guy. Her demeanor and just like her general way of interacting with him. At, not only in that moment, but at certain other parts throughout the story definitely proved that she's had some second thoughts about this guy. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely more pronounced in those final moments. Yeah, they, they're creating... They've been creating that distance between you and Joel, and then in they literalize that distance by having you play as a different character for that last those last few beats. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do <laughs> think... Maybe it was a little tacky how she kind of mentioned what ended up being the DLC story. Yeah. <laughs> in the very ending. And basically what Boner went over there is is like like I had had written down that we would talk about the Left Behind DLC, but that's basically like the long and short of it is you sort of learn like, you know, about her and her friend and her friend got bit and her friend turned eventually, but yeah. Ellie herself did not. I haven't played Left Behind. I mean, it's, maybe I'll revisit I that. But she, she literally, like, spills it out right before she asked Joel, yeah. you know, swear to me all that shit you said about the flyer, Fireflies was true. Just YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that uncomfortableness with Joel kind of kept me awake that night, like, just thinking how fucking yeah. dark that was. Like That's just... The darkness, the way that those final lines played out, uh, and the way uh, Boner presented it, it's just like, that. that is like, that shit lingered with me for days. It was just like, oh man, it just makes me feel dirty. And then all mm-hmm. those sweet little bonding moments throughout the game, and it's like, you just like, I can't, I can't enjoy these anymore because of how horrible it ends up. <laughs> yeah. Oof. It... So... Oh. Comparing it to The Walking Dead Season 1, like, totally opposite endings. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. So, I think that we've all sort of, like, our opinions are known about this game by now. Like, I think that through listening through this mammoth three-hour discussion... Mm-hmm. Um, people could probably discern that we all really love this game for a lot of different reasons, and I think I can safely say that we would all recommend it to anybody that could give it a shot. Oh, yeah. Um, Not that people who haven't played it should be listening. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh-huh. But hey, you know if, fuck it. If you if, if you haven't played it and you listen to this whole thing, go, go play, play it, it anyway. It's still worth it, because with the acting, the visuals, the sound cues, everything... It's still a damn fine masterpiece of mm-hmm. a game. I had most of it spoiled for me, and I still, like, it, in some ways, it only increased my enjoyment of the experience. I know, right? It's craziness. Just- so, after I finished my second playthrough of The Last of Us, um, I then fired up and play in, played in its entirety, Gone Home. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was a sweet little story, and... Um, <laughs> And that was a story I had spoiled for me, but coming down from a story that was is just the most like emotionally drags you through the dirt <laughs> mm-hmm. as the last of us does. Um, just to give you a little glimpse into the roller coaster I went over through the weekend. It's uh, it's uh, you know what? It's, it's, a, it's a it's a fine experience, I think. Yeah, I think that's a pretty great. You know, in Japan, um 
they uh, did a double billing when they released Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro in theaters. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which order they were in. (laughs) I would hope it was Graveyard of the Fireflies first. (laughs) I honest to god hope so. I think yeah. it's funnier if wow. it's the opposite. Oh, God. <laughs> no, that's terrible, right? You're a terrible human being. That is terrible, Joel. Good point. <laughs> so yeah. um, I want to go ahead and start winding this down here. I think mm-hmm. that we have talked this game to death. I think that we've all pretty much covered everything we'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Lately, I've been thinking about all different kinds of like little expressive touches in old games that I really like, um, like Zelda two or, um, just all where like that game, instead of ending with a normal big boss, it ends with you fighting your shadow or like bad game. But the very beginning of Final Fantasy two, you, the first thing that happens is you get into an unwinnable fight and they just beat you down or any, all sorts of, little tiny touches in these old games. And I feel like last of us, um, I feel like a a lot of those expressive, that expressive language was expanded upon with like, especially in 16 bit RPGs like Mm -hmm. crown trigger and final fantasy six. Um, and then I feel like stuff like in final fantasy six, when, um, cyan is watching the train go away and Oof. you're as Savin, and you just kind of wander back and forth for a yeah. minute, and the game just lets you gives you that moment of control while Cyan can't, while Cyan's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Last of Us represents the idea that we are really gaining a solid control of this expressive language. And I feel like in Last of Us, it's truly the whole point of the game is the things that are evoked with that language. And that makes it really important to me. And I think if we can get like three or four games like this from the AAA sphere, like every year, then I, I, think, oh, we, I think I, I would, I would, yeah. I would maybe say one per generation would be yeah. a more realistic. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, to yeah. shoot for. Three, or four, three or four, three or four is too much. But if we had one game of this kind of integrity, a year coming from this sphere, then I would just be really proud to be into those kind of video games, I think. I don't think any of us could say it better. So, um, Mr. Boner, <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, giving us almost seven hours of your time uh, over this, <laughs> over uh, the last couple of weeks. He was on the last episode, too. So I want to thank you for giving us seven hours. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on, dude. Thanks for having me. Where can we find you? Um, uh, bponer.tumblr.com, although I... I uh, haven't written much on there before. Uh, you can also follow me, Bonertron, on Twitter. Um, I'm participating in uh, Rhett's uh, Let's Play Summer School 2, so I'll be posting a video of those every week, um, probably usually on Sundays or Mondays. And, yeah, that's about all I do. John, where you at? Farawaytimes.com. Awesome. Rhett, where you at? Uh, Twitter.com slash Rhett. And consequentialexistence.com. 
Eh, sure, whatever. <laughs> and I'm Polly. I'm on the forums. And uh, we want to thank you all for taking time to listen to us talk about this game for three fucking hours. Um, <laughs> and with that, um, hey, want you guys to remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.